boogeyman is real, and you found him. All right, you What's blood for, if not for shedding? I'm your number one fan. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Seven days. <laughs> I am Dracula. We have such sights to show you. Boy. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. I am the eater of wood. And of children. What's in the fucking box? They're coming to get you, Barbara. One by one, we will take you. Never get out of bed again! You gotta be fucking kidding. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Welcome to prime time, bitch! <laughs> Welcome, welcome, horror fans. It is Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. It's time for another episode of the Week in Horror Podcast, the only podcast that's like a wire inside you getting tighter and tighter. And welcome, everybody. This is the first the first official show of 2024, so thank you so much for joining us tonight. And if you, dear horror fanatic, are listening to us at the top of the week on Sundays, remember, we do this live right here on YouTube every preceding Wednesday. So we hope to see you in the live chat. Come hang out with us where all of the goofy shit happens that you don't get to hear, you know, on the Sunday show. So this week, we are looking back at select horror films that released January 7th through January 13th. Thank you all so much for joining us for what will surely be a bloody good time. I can't talk. I am JL, and I'm holding the fort down tonight because I think the guys are busy uh doing stuff so but we have some excellent stuff to talk uh, about tonight so some good i think some good gems that we're going to talk about some really really enjoyable ones i a couple that i that i hadn't seen in a while i got to go back and watch and uh one new one that i actually hadn't seen before so i'm looking forward to <clears throat> to diving into this stuff <clears throat> oh excuse me little uh little parched right there mm, i think uh i need to wet i need to wet my whistle there we go Ah, so how is everyone doing tonight? See all you amazing people in the live chat. Let me see, let me see. First and foremost, let's make sure that we have that up there on the screen. All those amazing individuals who are members of the Week in Horror Patreon. They all help to make this show possible. And we do appreciate your support. It's the reason we're able to keep doing this show for, you know, five years, you know, going on, you know, in here in our fifth season. And of course, all the cool stuff that we have going on behind the scenes as well. The reason why Eugene and Johnny are so busy. The reason why, you know, we're, we're getting uh, getting stuff made and we get, we're able to bring all those cool premieres to you via the Discord channel. So, which by the way, I wanted to let you all know that... Uh, there have been some big improvements to the Weekend Horror Discord. There are now achievements, hidden achievements and hidden roles that are available for our more active for the active members, for the active uh, members of the Discord. Now, it's free to join. You can join and come in and join the community and talk about the stuff that we talk about here or talk about other stuff. And uh, if you are active enough, there are special achievements that you can find and special roles for those who uh, are the most active. So... If you persevere, you can find those. So please enjoy those. I see people knocking them out already. But that was a, kind of a fun thing that I recently added to the Discord and thought people might dig. All right, let's see. Oh, okay. So, okay. So I got to, I got to, you know, I got to uh, catch up with the live chat real quick. So before, before I dive into it, because I see somebody said something there. So uh, first and foremost, Casey Cooper's here. Good to see you, Casey Cooper. It says, well met and 
I can't speak, Sindarin, but uh, Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much, Casey Cooper. <clears throat> uh, Raven Darkstar's here as well. Good to see you, Raven, as well as Travis Brown. Good to see you, Travis Brown. And Doctor Who Design. Ooh, don't put that evil on me, sir. But uh, good to see you. Thanks so much for hanging out tonight. As well as Sir Chasm. Good to see you, Sir Chasm. Good evening and happy to see my parasocial friends again this week. Always a pleasure to see you, Sir Chasm. Wrote it no last name. Gabby Gabby to you says, I've considered cannibalism because I really am a people person. I I feel you. I do. I feel you. Right down there in my lower intestine. So good to see you, bud. Thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, who else we got here tonight? Um, apparently, Casey Cooper has reported he just saw Johnny O over on Irish Demons channel, over in the Irish Demons live chat, because because uh, a good friend of the channel, a uh, good friend of mine, um, Demon is currently live over on his channel, over on his YouTube channel. So apparently Johnny O's hanging out over there. Okay, so maybe he's not so busy, or maybe he's busy hanging out with Irish Demon. I have no idea. Or maybe he just popped in, because he does that on occasion. He'll be busy on set, and he'll get a break, and he'll pop in to see what's going on. So I don't know. All I know is he's not here, you know? But I'll hold down the fort. I got it. I, I, I'm pretty sure I got it. I've done it. I've done it enough times. I think I've. I think I've got it here for that. I got. I think I got the solo show down. You know, I can one man slasher this motherfucker. I really can. I can. I think I've got it. Uh, Javier Hara, good to see you. Says I'm here now. Get to the get to the chopper. Yes, yes. Get to the chopper. It is important that we get to the chopper. Um, good to see you, bud. As well as thirteen more. Uh. 13 more. Oh, yes. 13 more. I think we're very, really close to 1,000. We actually hit 1,000 subs on Weekend Horror, and then it dropped back down. So I think some people pity subbed, and then they bounced. So when they didn't have to do it anymore. So, you know, it happens sometimes. But I appreciate them popping by. It lets me know that we can actually get to 1,000. So uh, Castellar Daniel Garcia is here since Willem Dafoe was great in Daybreakers. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. It's uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll jump on that. Left-handed Jedi, good to see you. Says hello, everyone. Good to see you, left-handed Jedi. Donnie does that as well. Good to see you, Donnie. You rock. Um, Johnny's hanging out with ID. Yep, apparently. Uh, Joshua Lee, good to see you. Says hey, everyone. Good to see you, Joshua Lee. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're feeling better in this new year. Left-handed Jedi has become a new member of the Army of the Dead. Thank you so much, left-handed Jedi. Appreciate that support. And you too can become a member of the Army of the Dead. You can support us right here on YouTube if Patreon's not your thing or PayPal is not your thing. You can support us right here on YouTube with our channel memberships. You get access to all of the cool emojis that I made for you and all of the uh, the channel badge as well. So thank you very much for your support. I do appreciate that. Travis Brown says, Johnny O is too scared to face me. Absolutely. He absolutely is. He is terrified. He is a, you know, cannot, cannot defeat the Travis Brown. He cannot. Sir Cap says, sorry, JL, but Discord's ain't my thing. It's, it's all good. Yep, Discord's not for everybody. You know, it, it, it isn't. There's a lot on it, so... Uh, Javier Harris says, can we use the TP9000 if we join to the server? Uh, well, the TP9000 is currently on deck, or it's currently, you know, on deck for whenever when, it, when we need it for a movie, which I don't think we need it for any of the films we have tonight. We don't. Um, but you can get your own TP9000 shirt, they, courtesy of in-house artist Joshua Olson, who put together our TP9000 shirt on the request or the suggestion of, I believe it was Rodent No Less Name, who suggested that we do a TP9000 shirt, and we made one. And that's available via the Teespring. I believe it's like our fifth limited edition shirt, like limited edition artwork. So, uh, Josh Willie says, I see they jumped right on that copyright expiration of Steamboat Willie for the horror movie games. We're going to get to that as well. Absolutely. We're going to get to that. There's Johnny. Says, sorry, everyone. Overnight shoots are draining us old fuckers. Well, draining you, I'm older than you are. So... I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. 
I really don't because I'm older than you are, Chief. <laughs> but good that you're uh, good that you're working. It's fantastic. B Blanco's here. Good to see you. Says, hey, everybody. Good to see you, B Blanco. And uh, I see Cindy Sue as well. Good to see you, Cindy Sue. Thanks so much for being here. B Blanco says, I'll never bounce jail. Love your channel. Thank you so much, B Blanco. You rock, man. Do appreciate that. He says, I am not. I'm right here. Well, you were over there, but you ain't here, here. You're here, there, but you're not here, here. That's the whole point. So that, that's that's the key. That's that's the key to it. Uh, let me see who else we got here. Uh, Plotl says, the only thing frightening about you is how bad you look after I apply the beat down, which, you know, wasn't often. Wasn't often, sir. Was not often at all. Sircaps has provided that you appropriately trash. Uh, oh, Sircaps has provided that you appropriately trash Wakefield. The TP nine thousand could take the week off. <laughs> We're definitely going to get to that. We we will. We we absolutely will. So uh, I think I got everybody. I think I saw everybody in the live chat. Um, Cindy Sue says I want Army of the Dead on a baseball jersey. Oh, that would be cool. If if, T if they did uh, if they did an Army of the Dead, that would be pretty. Uh, like no no, if they did a baseball jersey. I think I have to check. You know, they've added a bunch of stuff recently. Maybe I'll check that out. Maybe, maybe we can make that happen. Maybe we can. <laughs> I pause this shit. Don't lie, JL. Please. Please. Tra Travis Travis handed you more than more than your fair share of beatdowns. More than your fair share of beatdowns. So. But I hope everybody is doing fantastic tonight. Oh, man. A bunch of stuff that uh, to talk about. But, oh, Cindy Sue says, uh, Plotl, I missed the beard ornaments this holiday season. I had to do the beard ornaments this year because Johnny wasn't doing it. So I did it. So I broke out the beard ornaments. I broke out the beard ornaments so that on my stream so that y'all could have that. So <laughs> just keep feeding Travis's ego. Doesn't need to be fed. He's earned it. Oh, he earned it. All right. So, <laughs> But we got a bunch of stuff. It's a, it's a damn, I will say this. I will say this because Johnny can hear me. <clears throat> I will say this. Um, it's a bummer because we're going to talk about the most in, <clears throat> our most anticipated horror films of 2024. Like the ones we're looking forward to the most. And I got a handful that I'm really looking forward to. And I would have loved to hear from all of y'all. What you, what you guys thought. What, what your most anticipated horror films were. And then we're going to get right into a trailer that I came across. And then we're going to dive into tonight's selection. So. 2024, brand new spanking year. Um, oh, Cindy Sue says, uh, I missed, oh, oh, wait, said when? It was the last live stream I did on my personal channel. I did kind of an end of the year stream and uh, Johnny came on and, and uh, Tony came on and we, we had some guests. We talked about uh, talk about stuff that happened in 2023. So, but yeah, you know, I had the, I had the beard ornaments going on and I, I did that stream. So, cause I bought them for last year. I bought them for 2022. But we never did it in 2022. So I, I took I took it upon myself to do it in 2023. So and that's how that went out. Yes, and yes, apparently the blinkies were very, very bright. So you know, I guess my lighting wasn't set up for like LED uh, flashers in my beard. So, but yeah, but it was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So 2024, brand new year, all new stuff coming out, interesting stuff. And I'm looking forward to a lot of it. So I can tell you that. And while there's not trailers out for most most, most of these, I can't say that uh, the films that I'm most looking forward to coming out. Wait, he's saying wait? I don't wait for, wait, wait for what? You're, you're tired and old, aren't you? I'm old and infirm. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought you were running low. I thought the tank was low. 
Maybe he ate a banana. I don't know. <laughs> it was a J.J. Abrams Lens Fair Christmas. Fuck, yes, it was. Yes, it was, Rodanella's name. It absolutely was. He wants me to wait. Oh, oh, so he's coming. And not and not in, like, you know, the intimate way. So so he's, he's going to arrive shortly. You know, I guess. I guess he's going. I don't know. I don't see him. I don't see him here. I think he's fucking with me. I think he's trying to delay the show. Are you a saboteur, good sir? That 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 was that what this has become? You need to sabotage the show in order to get back at Travis Brown. Is that is that how is that how it happens? <laughs> what? I missed something. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were talking. You were talking about uh, movies. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah. Wow. I showed <laughs> up. Yeah. There you go. I have to get my tasty beverage. As you can see, I have nothing set up. Everything's in fucking disarray. But actually, we can actually see the background of your wall correctly this time because now it's in there. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know what the fuck's going on, but uh, there's a weird shadows over here. Yeah, I don't like it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. You were talking about 2024 and films that we were looking forward to. Um, yes, yeah, I have a couple that I have a handful that I'm looking forward to big time. I also have a couple that I am looking forward to. Um, so tell me I, this. Yeah, tell me this. You yeah. you popped on. You popped on yeah. just to do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh what, hang on a second. Let me double check something here. Fuck you know. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Okay, cool. Uh simply because there are some things that are going on in the background that um could be really, really awesome. In Let me hear about your, your movies. Of, Let me hear in about the background your background of your of your studio, or in the background of of yes, in the background of my studio, you fucking ass. <laughs> actually, uh, actually, yes, in the background of my studio. You're pointing at the plot hole sign. I, am I? Am I <laughs> no, pointing at the plot no, hole? No, no, I know what poster you're pointing at now. I do. So, <laughs> so. Um, go, go ahead, tell movie, us your movies. Yeah. So the movies that I'm that I'm looking forward to. The oh, <laughs> Sir Kath says. Thank you for being here, Johnny O. I was exhausted <laughs> from trashing all the movies in your despicable absence. <laughs> I know it's uh, it's it's been a minute. I'm I just I have a fucking mountain of work that I'm supposed to be doing, but I figured I would. It's a, it's a hill. It's like a no, hill. it is a mountain of work. And once I once I give you the movies that I'm looking forward to this year, you'll understand what that mountain of work is. But uh, go ahead, your movies that you're looking forward to in 2024. And I swear to Christ, if it's something stupid, I'm gonna. It's not something stupid. Okay, so the I, I would say the top three movies that I'm looking forward to. Actually, no, no, I'm gonna say top four. Okay. Like the, I, I, there are four movies that I yep. am eagerly anticipating for 2024, and the first one is Robert Eggers' Nosferatu. I'm really looking forward to that. Lily I'm, Rose Dev, Willem Dafoe, yeah. Robert Eggers. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm like super curious to see how that's right. gonna turn out, uh, simply because of the cast. Right? I mean, right. Nosferatu is like, okay, we've done Dracula a bazillion times uh, and doing a remake of Nosferatu. I guess you can kind of get away with it because it's Nosferatu and it was, you know, fucking mm. whatever it was. Uh, but when they when they gave the cast, was like, mm, this is, uh, especially, you know, uh, Willem Dafoe, whose real name is William, by the way. <laughs> Most people don't know that. I don't know why so he calls himself Willem. Anybody know? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, I think it might have to do some probably with something that somebody used to call him because they couldn't pronounce William. His nephew, yeah. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but Nosferatu, big time looking forward to Nosferatu. 
Uh, the second one I'm looking forward to is Fede Alvarez's Alien Romulus. So mm, Alien, I'm, I'm so fucking because Fede, uh, everybody's all high on him about the fucking uh, uh, 2013 fucking Evil Dead. I'm like, man, that was fucking not garbage. just that, not just not just that. I mean, well, he sure. did he did Evil Dead. He did Don't Breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Really, the girl yeah. in the spider's web. So yeah, no, absolutely. No, don't get me wrong. I don't I don't hate on Fede Alvarez. I think he's he he's done some good work and the things. Even though I didn't particularly care for the Evil Dead. I guess it's not really a remake, but we all fucking know it's a remake. Even though I didn't really care for it, it still looks really good and is very well put together. I just didn't particularly like it. But that being said, he's he's one of those ones that I'm like, nah, we'll see what happens here. I don't know. I'm reserving <laughs> I'm, my uh, judgment on that one. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a standalone alien film. So it is set in between the events of the first alien and, and aliens. So, um, and few details are out, but I'm oh, really, really yeah. looking forward to that one hitting. So, I'm and that's really the second reason that. why I'm worried about this one here because outside of alien and aliens, everything out, it's just been fucking hot garbage, hot fucking garbage. It's just not good. It's not been good. Well, uh, solid director comes along. Maybe we'll have something good. Maybe, maybe we will. Like I, I said, I'm excited so. about it. Uh, the the third film that I am super super stoked that I'm stoked about is of course Terrifier three. Um, I'm you know because I'm a I'm a Damien Leone fan. I'm a, a David Howard Thornton fan. I love what he brought to that. I also I got more excited because um, the the people who were behind uh, aside from Damien Leone did a movie called The Jester, which recently came out. And Damien Leone, uh, sorry not sorry David Howard Thornton who plays Art the Clown was the jester in the movie the jester and while the jet that movie in itself wasn't wasn't like top notch it was interesting in its dialogue and the way it was written it explored some themes that don't often get explored which i found kind of intriguing but it it wasn't uh, the, but the technical the technical wasn't really there for the film but there were some good moments but it goes to show that david howard thornton is a master of the craft and the fact that uh, Terrifier 3 will be a Christmas themed uh, film instead of a Halloween themed film. I am really looking forward to that. So I'm, I've grown to, yeah, so Jinju, Jin, good to see you. Says, I've grown to love Art the Clown. I love what he brought to that role, and I cannot wait for the third one, Terrifier 3, and the I, fourth one, and the I, last one uh, that I'm looking forward to. And this is only because oh I'm, no. a ner- I'm a nerdy oh horror no. fan. Oh and so, no. No, if you remember, okay, so if you remember back in the day, um, if you remember back in, I think it was 1986. Do you remember a movie called Witchboard? Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. They're making it. They're remaking it. Wow. See, you can yes. get away with remaking Witchboard because I guarantee you, outside of the two of us, maybe two people in the side that have ever fucking seen this film. Okay. So, uh, directed by Charles Russell and written by Charles Russell and um. It's you know, a straight-up remake of Witchboard, and I liked Witchboard, but most importantly, it is starring Madison Eisman and Jamie Campbell. Um, Jamie Campbell, people might remember from who play Jamie Campbell, who played Vecna in the most recent season of Stranger Things, will be returning in Stranger Things season five in order to com- in order to complete that series. So, but Jamie Campbell is a phenomenal actor and just looks just looks the part. I know I know exactly he's play, he plays Alexander in the role in the film. So I'm looking forward to a remake of Witchboard. So those are the, the my top four big ones that I'm looking forward to. Everything else, I'm pretty much either 50-50 or like 40, 60, 30, 70 on. You know, just, eh, I don't even know. I, I really haven't even kept up with what's coming out uh, next year, or I guess this year now. Fuck. 
<laughs> there's a couple other ones that, that that probably get probably get some uh like uh night swim might be int- might be interesting mm. lisa frankenstein might be interesting winnie the pooh 2 the sequel to winnie the pooh 2 uh that one comes out i'm um, not interested in that at all fucking so stupid uh, quiet place is getting another entry um the uh, the strangers is getting another entry so that'll be the th- third or the four strangers the third it'd be the third one third it's one, technically yeah. a, it's a third one but it's a prequel, it's a prequel so yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, and then you got the movie Imaginary coming out from Blumhouse, which we watched the trailer. The trailer looks really good on that one. So there's some interesting stuff, just yeah. none that have really, have really grabbed me other than those four, those top four and only in which board only because I am just, uh, I love 80s fucking horror. And 80s I'm horror, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm not fucking sorry. If you disagree with me, you're just fucking wrong with 80s. First and foremost, the 80s was the greatest generation for all fucking film, period, hands down. Can't argue with me, okay? Been text with Golden Age. Fuck off. No, action was the best. Comedy was the best. Horror was the best. I, I just said, come on. Yeah, yeah. You know what right. I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. Come of on. <laughs> of course, but like I said, it it, it just it, it's just just the best. And then after that, the '90s kind of fucking took a, and then 2000s it just went fucking downhill from there. Um, yes, don't get don't get Eugene started on that shit. I can tell you one that I'm not looking forward to. What's that? And that's the new Omen film. Oh, at all fuck's sake. i'm not yeah oh, the, the, fir- the, the first omen yeah i'm not looking forward to that it was like why why what do you want we already have the origin of the omen fuck it was called <laughs> the omen yeah not, <laughs> hey, we need not... an origin story for the birth of the antichrist yeah it's called the omen no no no, no. one before that uh, it, 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 well, I mean, it's you mean it failed before? <laughs> Are we going back? Is to something like new ancient, gonna happen? Are we going back to ancient Babylon or what? What are we fucking, what are we fucking doing here? Yeah, so, the original trilogy was all we needed, and but I, you know, the first Omen, not even though there's been some images that have come out about it. I believe there's a the, believe there's a teaser trailer out, but I am not excited. I'm, I'm not looking no. for. It. I would say that one's gonna no. be. No. That's just a throwaway. So I'm not just, looking forward to that one. But there's some good stuff coming up, you know? I've, I'm um, kind of what, worried what about, about this year because, you know, the strikes and whatnot. And uh, I I don't know if IATSE is going to strike, but I know that their, their contract is up this year. So there's a potential that crew side will strike this time. And if that happens, Ooh. then, you know, um, let's pause it again. But i don't know man I, I this year is looking very very strange very strange indeed uh i do know that uh dakota fanning's got a new one coming out um that she used to be in, such a good actress <laughs> that they're shooting up in ireland uh called the watchers which yeah. is uh diving up which is probably which is uh, obviously it's gonna be a horror thriller that's gonna dive into irish um irish fairy lore <clears throat> and likely that one got greenlit because of the success of another one that was uh that I uh dang it what was it um the intruders no it was um I can't remember it, it but anyway it was a, a film about a couple that moves to Ireland that it, that inherits a property and mm. it turns out that the property is under the kind of auspices of the Red Caps and as long as you you know protect the Red Caps and you like you you give them gifts and you give them food and shit they will protect your home and protect your interests and well, so what do they like to eat. <laughs> well okay so it doesn't have to be people but it, it it i mean they will take people if necessary and so but they'll That's also insane. defend the property with their lives which i thought but that was a pretty fucking good movie and given how good that one was i see we got the the watchers coming up but what are you looking forward to uh in 2024 
So what's this big thing that you have? That's what I'm looking forward to right there. Now, I can't well, say fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I mean, uh, I will speak with you after the show about these things because there are some things, some informations that I do need from you. Um, Nobody fucking tells me anything. I'm, I'm always the right last. Now. I am always the I'm... last to fucking know. I swear. Okay. Uh, it's probably my own fault. It's probably it is your own fault because, because, I, because you I'm stuck to... in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in my office all the time just writing. Yeah. And so, uh, oh, hey, did we tell JM? Did we? Someone get him on the phone. Well, to to be fair, uh, a lot of things just happened over the course of the past 48 hours that um, uh, are culminating into a meeting. Nick, on Nol Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte, yep. Eddie, Nick Murphy Nolte style. Eddie Murphy style. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> back when Nick Nolte could actually speak without sounding like he's about to die. <laughs> it only worked... <laughs> <laughs> that only and it really only worked in in the war in uh in warrior because that was perfect he was the oh, the, yeah. I, the irish alcoholic yeah. dad and yeah. he's like oh sons I, right yeah. So, yeah i remember when he was in the uh remake of arthur i was like god damn nick you fucking dead already fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man he used to, he used to it, you know it worked media. uh it worked in that city johnson good to see you city johnson uh it worked in the cartoon over the hedge when he was the cranky old bear i was like okay yeah, yeah that works uh but outside <laughs> of that i think you need some rehab uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. uh no i am looking forward to that there's some things some developments that could be happening fairly i say quickly but you know how these things kind of they like a whole lot of stuff happens and then there's a lull and then big things happen right um and honestly that probably wouldn't come out until next year anyways but there's some things happening on that end and we have a production that uh we are in pre-production right now so those are two things that i'm looking forward to in 2024 film wise i gotta say because i haven't really been paying attention to what's coming out uh mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't think there's nothing that really grabbed my attention that says, hey, look at me. Uh, the movies you mentioned, I'd heard of some like I heard of the, the you know, the, the new alien film. I'm like, mm -hmm. just I don't I don't think it's going to be good. I um, if I remember correctly, Romulus, Alien Romulus, I think is slated for Hulu. I think so. I think you're and, right. And and what? Okay, so throwing out there the possibility. Not this. I'm not saying this guarantees anything, but given what Hulu did, or given how they brought about Prey, how they allowed that director to to do what they want. Mm -hmm. yeah. The director had a vision. They allowed the the whole like Navajo thing. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the director's vision. And Hulu did not interfere. So oh Hulu, and, yeah, Hulu was like, "What do we got to lose? Everybody fucking hates all the." predator shit after predator one let so. him fucking go with let him fucking go with it yeah. and do with it and let, so if 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 hulu doesn't interfere and allows alvarez to bring his vision as both a director as both a very accomplished director and a fan i say the possibility is there I'll, i mean i'll watch it don't get me wrong but i'm not i'm like excited about it i'm kind of like oh fuck oh geez <laughs> you know it's like when you got to go to thanksgiving dinner and that one uncle that you don't want to fucking talk to is going to be there yeah uh um hey johnny then, oh, nick nolte what are you doing, <laughs> nick nolte, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh oh, and then joshua lee reminds me that uh the toxic avenger reboot um 
I don't know. I think it's interesting that I don't know, man. The, the whole appeal to those trauma films is the fact that they're so shitty. You know what I mean? It's just they're just over the top schlock, and it's fun. That's that I really miss talking about what my favorite trauma film, uh, Night of the Chicken Dead. Um, I missed it. I, I really wanted to be there. And I know, and I had a fucking job, and I had to work overnight. It's the same uh, Nollywood thing that I did last night, or I guess until early this morning. That was interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, um, man, I can't think of anything that I'm, any films that are coming out that I'm like, oh, I got to see that shit. I just, nothing really has uh, stuck itself out. I'm kind of worried about this year. I feel like the movies you mentioned, some of them could be good, but there could be some real letdowns. I think that I I got good feelings for some of them. And uh, of course, Casey Cooper has also brought up Deadpool three and a new X-Men movie this year. Um, I given, given some rumblings that have come out of Disney and some rumblings that have come out of Ryan Reynolds. Uh, there, the Deadpool three shoot has been problematic apparently. And uh, right, you know, and Ryan Reynolds is not the kind of person who is going to bend on a project. He knows what works. He knows what sells. He knows what fans want. That's one of the things that makes Ryan Reynolds so uh, so endearing to his fan base is because he's very much in touch with what they want and what the public is desiring, and he knows what they don't want as well. And if he is already at this point coming to even with the promise of bringing Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine. The if he's already having problems with there, I don't know what the fate of what what Deadpool three is going to look like. I'll still go watch it if when it co- if and when it comes out. But you know, I'm well, not. The problem that Deadpool three has is the fact that people have wanted this this uh, Wolverine Deadpool reunion for decades, right? Um, and the well, they hype- wanted it ever since. Uh, Deadpool. Uh, since Wolverine, since X Men right. yeah, Wolverine, yeah. they wanted yeah. ever since that because that wasn't it. We want the real one. You're Holy right. Shit. I know. <laughs> What's up, buddy? What's it's up? so nice. To, it's so nice to have them here tonight. Mm. <laughs> so actually, I wanted to chime in on the whole <laughs> Deadpool uh, talk. <laughs> <laughs> we lassoed him in. <laughs> <laughs> So, so one of the things that Ryan Reynolds has actually been getting really upset about is that he had a list of surprise cameos that he wanted legit to be a surprise, surprise like yeah. Brad Pitt in Deadpool 2. Right. And the studio has been releasing name after name after name, and it ruins the effect of the movie that he wanted. Yeah. Because Ryan, I mean, Deadpool's like his baby. That's what he loves, and that's his project. And he's kind of bent hollywood and even the mcu to the point of him because it's so successful and now they're like look we can market this 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 and he's like yeah now now people are gonna be watching his movie looking for the names yeah. of the people and it's like, it, what the it, fuck it, are you doing for yeah <laughs> oh you know yeah. what uh jail i got eugene the greatest fucking christmas gift ever he'll never know it's a brand new camera I mean, listen, I'm still going to like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say no. I mean, <laughs> yes, well, welcome, Eugene. So uh, before we jump on to the next one, because and I hope you guys stick around because I've got a trailer kicked up that 
I cannot wait to show you because it's going to be amazing. But Eugene, I, are you hang on a second. Hang, hang, any film? Wait a second. No, because this is goes into your question of the films we're waiting for. Uh, <laughs> my daughter already did that to mine right here. See, <laughs> <She did. laughs> are you chewing on the microphone? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, don't eat the pop filter, don't please. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy needs that for work, dear. Daddy needs that for work. <laughs> so, without saying a whole lot, Eugene. Without saying a whole lot, JL is um, wondering what we're looking for in this year. Oh, uh, so uh, potentially two movies. Okay, so here comes Eugene to kind of bring it back down, bring it back to reality. So I like, I like the the the, the energy we have here. Like Johnny's like, whoa, and then Eugene's like, oh, okay, hang on a second, hang on a second. We're, we're actually on. okay. You remember this, Benji? This, you remember the Benji. movie Benji? <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, aaron reese aaron reese is here today they shot the garfield spider-man to shit with that cross mark they shot the garfield spider-man to shit with that cross marketing crap that's true and they definitely took a lot of the wind out of that by doing that huge reveal of all the spider-mans together it was just like it was such a bummer um that would have been a, a fantastic surprise they brought in the villains that have been good Bring in the other Spider-Man, that would have been people would have like flipped their shit. Word of mouth would have been brilliant, but it's Disney, you know. Yeah, I mean, it blew its low. It blew its loads early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sally's calling says, "Hey, everyone. Yes, I remember Benji. <laughs> <laughs> Benji the Hunted. <laughs> I remember that fucking movie." Oh, so um, any big ones that you are uh, highly anticipating in 2024, Eugene? Any big ones? So I'll, I'll go to the other films first, and then I'll talk about what I know what Johnny's been um, basically just waiting to talk about. Uh, there's been kind of a handful. Um, I am definitely looking forward to the new, um, the new Strangers Chapter 1. I think that could be very interesting. Uh, Strangers is one of my all-time favorite horror films. Uh, it's just everything, the way it's shot, the pacing of it, the slow mm -hmm. burn of it, and then the ending is just like perfection of that film. So because I'm, I'm home, Eugene, because because you're, you're well. The, what makes that movie so good is the brutal stab, the stabbing at the end, because it's not like a quick, 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 and it kills them. Right. They kind of like place the knife, and then they just slowly push it in. Yeah, like repeatedly. So it's so. I mean, that's what it, it's it's perfection. Why did I just think that? Why did I, why did I just think Devil's Rejects? You know, I kind of kind of stuck in her, kind of kind of fucked her with <laughs> the <whole> video. <laughs> William Forsyth, William Forsyth is a fucking savage. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Played flat top in uh, uh, Dick Tracy. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I'm also looking. I'm also looking forward to a quiet place day one. Um, I think that's going to be. It's just a nice action. Uh, I like the little snip snippets in a quiet place too of like the day one of the asteroid and they're playing baseball, and then you have the whole sequence when the creatures just start attacking the town, which I really enjoy. So be okay. I'll wa I'll watch a movie of that. Um, I have mixed feelings on Alien Romulus. Mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. i i do because like johnny has a point first one awesome second one amazing uh... 
Wait, 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 wait. First, first, what you're talking? Alien. Awesome. Yeah, Alien. Alien. Awesome. Alien. Alien. Aliens. Aliens. The greatest awesome. sci-fi horror film ever. Alien Three. Awesome, though you won't recognize it. No, 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 no. Alien Three. A big awesome turd. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. We'll we'll diverge at this point in the woods. <laughs> Alien Resurrection. Oh, crap. Fuck. Oh yeah, we yeah, across the board. Crap. Okay, across the board. Yeah, okay. That's we can talk about fucking okay. crap. Okay, so it's good to know that you guys are totally insane. Of drinking. <laughs> so no, ADP, ADP, wasted opportunity. Requiem. I wish I could erase it from my brain. Uh, <laughs> but pray, praise good. Praise not an alien film. It's a <laughs> predator film. <laughs> it's same universe. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> what it proves is that they can actually take a franchise that has made a bunch of crap and turn something good every once in a while. There you go. Same with notice aliens. how you didn't even you didn't even bring oh, oh no sorry sorry sorry, sorry. Black sorry. Prometheus 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 oh. no Prometheus <laughs> I got it but not what it's not what I wanted. <laughs> I got it, no, but it wasn't no what I wanted. No one wanted that. No one. We're Nobody. like, cool. New, I remember looking at trailer, and I'm like, is this an alien film? I remember. Okay. I remember when they announced it. When they said Ridley Scott coming back to do Alien prequel, I was like, Ridley Scott, Alien, fuck yes. And then that's what they gave me. Oh, I said, Kevin, Prometheus, Prometheus, not yo, yo. We were what we were hoping for, not what we wanted. But but a movie and then and then Covenant. Oh fuck and off! Is... Covenant. Oh, robot bad. Oh, fucking hell, Jesus! Christ. I'm sorry. I I, I I I don't I don't know what was going through Ridley's mind, but you can't have Drugs. a scene with you can't have a scene with two Michael Fassbenders. You know, it is like you blow and I'll handle the fingering. Uh, Come on, man! Uh, what are you? I'm not alien. trying to shame here, but we wanted an alien film. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. it wasn't what it we was were like. Really, Scott wanted to give us everything except what we actually wanted. Except right. the, wanted. the entire Prometheus film. You're like, okay, so the aliens are coming, right? The, yeah, they're coming. They, sure. Are, are they okay? We got a big guy who's drinking black goop, but the aliens are no. Sure. No. Nope. Yeah. Uh, uh, two like, movies yeah. from now. Two movies from now. And it's going to be just me re-releasing Alien. Covenant was almost like at the end. It's kind of like, oh shit, that's right. It's supposed to be an Alien movie. Okay, um, let's let's have like the third act. Let's just throw it in there, and then we'll just do what we did in the first Alien film. Yeah, you know, we'll just pull an Ellen Ripley, just throw him in an airlock, and whap, there's yep. somebody else's yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, Zachary Hooper says, "Holy shit, the plot hole! You trimmed your beard." Yes. And good to I see did. you, Zachary Hooper. He did. He cut off his power. That's why he's so tired all the time. Aaron, Aaron Reed says, aliens in an isolated town like 30 Days of Night would be pretty fucking cool. That would be awesome. That would be a you good know, we have good that. Idea. We have aliens in an isolated town. It's called Aliens. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Say. Uh, Aaron Reed says, hippos are scared. Where's my hungry, hungry hippos horror movie? <laughs> And then Aaron That's says, a good you, fucking question. It would just be Jaws the Herd. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's tangent brought to you by the Alien franchise. Yes, yes it was. Yes, yes, it is. So, but given all this stuff, given the stuff that people have been hinting at in the live chat, obviously we know that 
with the expiration of certain copyrights, we have gotten the opportunity. We've gotten like, you know, some insane fucking horror films. We got Winnie the Pooh. We actually, yeah, that gave rise to people. Oh, we can take like this old stuff, turn it into horror films. We got a Grinch uh, horror film. You know, they don't call it, they call it the mean one. They got, so we got a Grinch horror film. We got uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb. We got a horror film based off of that one. It, you know, it's Fleece is Red as Blood, which is, that's, that's the tagline. And, but there's another one, an even bigger one that recently expired. And that was, of course, Steamboat Willie. Steamboat yep. Willie, the copyright recently expired. Now, while there are some rules in how it can be portrayed in a, in a particular way, it's pretty loose. And we already have the very it's first trailer. To, it's also important to remember that it's Steamboat Willie, not Mickey Mouse. There not is, Mickey yes. Mouse. There's a two different, different characters. Yeah. So two different characters. Uh, but we've already gotten the first trailer for a Steamboat Willie style horror film. See, we were talking called- about this last night on set. Like someone has a countdown. They oh, yeah. did the pre-production, yes. yeah. and they're like, on the day that expires, they're on set, like watching oh. their watch, and they're just like, <laughs> three, two, one, action, action. <laughs> and and so uh, I bring you the trailer. For Mickey's Mousetrap. Oh, no. Oh, man. So, let's queue up the terror tube. The bar is pretty low. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> I'm waiting for y'all. <laughs> just... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I... I... They didn't even try. <laughs> that, like, wow. I, yes, I, Aaron Reeves says that's just for God's sake. It's some just some asshole in a mouse mask. You're right. It is. It, it the the film is literally a slasher film where the killer is wearing a Steamboat Willie mask. That's what it is. I I mean they they wanted to use every single cliche in the book. They're like. <laughs> We're not going to bring anything to the genre. You've seen this a hundred times already, and we're just going to slap Steamboat Willie's face on it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the cinematography looks terrible. They had one location the entire time. Uh, The acting is, like, I've seen better acting in, like, a high school play. Um, (laughs) Just wow <laughs> hey sherry tilly good to see you thanks so much for oh, being here appreciate you hanging out um and, uh, yep oh yes case you're right i think it killed johnny yeah <laughs> it probably killed johnny <laughs> if i had the shark fart sound clip <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but that just goes to show um uh, it is out there uh the trailer has hit and uh i obviously i don't have any high expectation of this um but you never oh I, okay so i was actually surprised by winnie the pooh i was i was i was pleasantly surprised by winnie the pooh um but i don't think we're gonna have it with this one i i honestly don't i just it's just I don't know. I don't fucking. I, mean, I wasn't even a big fan of the Winnie the Pooh movie. I was kind of like uh, on that, and then this is just like this is like if you took the butcher, and then you just put <laughs> Steamboat Willie's face on it. That's yeah, exactly yeah. like I picture the yeah. kills being like that stupid and that like like super cliche and like. 
like we talked about how they're like ready as soon as like the copyright ended. Apparently, that's when they wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> like they must have finished filming like two ago. days ago. Yeah, they that's fucking amazing. filmed and canned this bitch in forty-eight hours. Uh... Yeah. But yes, that is the trailer for uh, Mickey's Mouse Drive coming out. So uh, to you out there listening, to you in the live chat, and of course to you listening at the top of the week, let us know, number one, first and foremost, what movies are you looking forward to in 2024, your most your most anticipated horror films of 2024? Do you agree with any of the ones that we talked about? Um, apologize that we got lost in the alien, uh, in like the alien rant right there. But let us know what you're looking forward to. And of course, if you are like looking forward to Mickey's Mousetrap or not looking forward to it, or if you have any commentary whatsoever, but then again, no commentary is commentary in and of itself. So you may not say anything and we'll totally understand you. We will absolutely understand and put words in your mouth that may or may not be true. <laughs> <laughs> Sally's Pelican said, there wasn't any steamboat in that, Willie. There oh I thought it was going to be on a steamboat. It should have been. A, it's such a, a opportunity they missed. If it, if it was, so many if it ways a... to go about that, right? There's so many ways you could have gone about that. That would have been clever. That would have that would have been uh, like on a riverboat, like on like, yeah. a, like a river, like yeah. on a, okay. You could have said it. You could have said it on like a, like on a gambling boat, right? On the river, so so it's like a steamboat, and then it's like yes. doing a tour, like during a during like a poker tournament. It could okay? be fucking and yeah. It could money. be. It could have been Hatchet meets Maverick. It would have there been great. With, Look, with, we've know, been thinking we, about it for all of five fucking minutes. Five and they've already come up with a better <laughs> idea. Already got a better premise. <laughs> we actually have we actually have a killer now that has motive. That has motive, and it can go in different ways. There could be a twist at the end. There could be something that we don't know going on. There's a number of ways you could play that because you have multiple elements in the script. Plus, you've kept it to one location, which is the boat. The okay, boat. leading to the boat, then on the boat, then off the boat, and at the very very end. And even then, you could do like a like the mouse coming out of the water thing. Ah, oh, and like he survives or some shit. I don't fucking know. Okay, but Boom, I mean, look at that. Here's another great idea: costume party on a riverboat. Yes. See, but see, folks, the thing is, is, is like our version. Writers. <laughs> our version requires actually watching the cartoon and utilizing elements, which takes brain power, not just yes. oh, I'm in Celebration Station, like. Just a right. slasher film. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Aaron Reed, Steamboat Willie, a.k.a. Mickey Does the Mississippi. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> library rights. <laughs> Fuck yeah, sarcasm. Library <laughs> rights. And our library rights are always so much better than what was out there. But that's, you know what? Because we know the material and we're really fucking good at what we do. So or, <laughs> just going to throw that out there. Or. Brilliant minds. Have... Brilliant minds. <laughs> put this shit. It's not hard. I mean, I mean, this isn't even like you know high level shit. This is just kind of like this well, is you have this shit. You have yeah. you have this you have this element and you have this element. That's easy. You only need to make two elements work in a horror film. It's like fine, that's great. We got a character and then we got a location. Right now Done. we just need to fucking kill people. It's just, it's pretty much it. Yes, and imagine the creative kills you could have like on a steamboat. Oh, especially ones with like the big fucking, you know. I was thinking that the too. The killer, has to, the killer has to go through that. The killer has to go off the back. That has to be the big deal. And then caught up in the big brrr, and yes. then blah, 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 like this. And then he then he disappears. There's like blood everywhere. And then is he really dead because they couldn't find the body? Or maybe they just find the mask, you know? Yeah, and then, right, like, right. There you go. 
like something like that. you can have a great steam kill, like you're tossing someone in a boiler or something. Oh, yeah. Or just their face. Just their face. Yeah. That way you can get the practical effects. Oh, like this, and then bring him back, like you know, like Jason X. Style. Fucking Jason X, yeah. Comes right, out there you go. Frozen is <laughs> melted and you get, off. Like the, the horde. <laughs> oh, them screaming can be covered up by the horn. That's why nobody yeah, hears it. Exactly. Yes, See. that's how you do it. Fuck. <laughs> uh, says, we got both tits and ass. We have a winner. We have to do. And then Sir Catherine says, I think the brainstorming tangents are my personal favorite segments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, face grind on the steam engine. There's so many ways yes. you could do that. Because you got so yeah. many, you, you got you have the you have the galley. You can, I mean, what's had which basically you have the kitchen, which is basically you know, all kinds of shit that can go on in there. Right. You've got the steam, the uh, the engine room. You've got the deck. You've got the like the main deck. You've got the big. Uh, I don't know what the wheel is in the back that pushes the. Yeah, damn it was like thing, on the you, bridge that steers yeah, the home control. You, yeah, you've got all yeah. kinds of shit that you could play with, and. They just said, "No, we're going to do it like uh, Friday even, Night at Freddy's." Even Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight found interesting ways to use the yacht in order to come up with creative kills. Right. My even God, if it was uh, just Jason chucking a dude off and having him impaled on an antenna down below. At least it gave a right. reason why they can't call out for help because yeah. he used it to kill someone. See? Exactly. It's supposed to play into the plot. You, he kills a lady with a guitar. Why? <laughs> that shit was because fucking it awesome. Was <laughs> <laughs> because it's an act. Because it's an axe. Ah! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. He uh, killed someone with a sauna stone. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Through the motherfucker. I mean, come Through on. Through the motherfucker. Although I did love that scene because he comes in and he when he grabs it, it's like it's like. Yeah. So I see great shit like that. Mm. All right. You know it's bad. Uh, the paddle wheel. The paddle X. wheel. Yes. Yeah. The when paddle wheel. Jason X is better than the shit that you're about to put out. Fuck. <laughs> We're looking to Jason X for inspiration. That's <laughs> you have lost the plot, my friend. Your you movie sucks. Back, you couldn't even look back at the most uh, one of the most Jason X is damn near almost as maligned as Jason Nine as Jason goes yeah. to hell. Okay, at least Jason X had like Uber Jason had some funny moments and it was very tongue in cheek. Jason Nine was trying to be fucking serious. Yeah. You know, at least with Jason X, I mean, come on. It's like bottom of the barrel, almost the worst Friday film ever made. And you couldn't even look to that shit for some inspirational kills. Of, right. like, it's like, come on, guys. All right. I do find Maybe it funny that according to Jason down the X, river, murder, <laughs> murdering his way along. Yep, there you go. <laughs> See, tagline. Boom. Fuck. <laughs> hour in and haven't gotten to this week's movies well it's actually yeah because I, I i thought it was going to be solo so i mean if these guys dip it's going to be perfect because i can cover the four in an hour so i don't have to fill the void but you know i'm down i definitely would want to talk about daybreaker so i was going to stick around for that one also oh okay awesome cool but yes, let's dive. Okay, so since since you're here, you know, let me actually bring up the script because i kind of like <laughs> put you to the side script. Like, he needs a script I, well, actually, I so actually, though, I actually redid this. So you have to tease the paddle wheel killed twice before killing the killer on the paddle. This is true. See, look yes. at this. This is how you make fucking horror films. This is yes. how you do it. Okay. You actually hire people who fucking uh, appreciate the genre, number one. Number two, mm -hmm. uh, respect the source material. And number three, have a goddamn brain. <laughs> it's so true. 
So, um, uh, so Johnny, I had you slated in the, just in case you were here, I had you slated to introduce the, the first film. Um, but I, and so if you want to, you can, uh, I will, I'm going to give fair warning because of this trailer, there is the possibility that the stream might take, might take a hit because of the cover song that's in the trailer. Okay, oh, now no. I tried to tweak it as best I could, but it's so prominent in the trailer, I don't know. So it may happen. So the question is, should, should we play it? Because I've set it all up. Should we play the trailer or should we just skip the trailer? Because I've got the trailer queued up in the terror tube. Um, but there's there's a possibility we might get the ding. And we you know, it might be like, ah, oh, and then have to come back up a few minutes so later. What you what do, you do, do is you, you, you play it. And then after six seconds, you pause it. We we make a funny, funny woohoo, woohoo, and then play it again. And you know what I mean? okay, I can try that because it doesn't yeah. start until about about three quarters of the way through the trailer. So, okay, well then, yeah, we can well, try. Yeah. That. Okay, all right. So go ahead and kick us off. Oh, sorry, we are talking about a 2009 science fiction action horror film called Daybreakers. Let's check this puppy out. We made it. We made it. We made it. Daybreakers Daybreakers is a 2009 science fiction action horror film written and directed by Michael and Peter Sperig. The film takes place in a futuristic world overrun by vampires and centers around a vampiric corporation which sets out to capture and farm the remaining humans while researching a substitute of human blood. Gross. Obviously, we've got Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, Claudia, uh, was it Carbon? Uh, Michael Dorman, Sam Neill, and a whole bunch of other motherfuckers. It's a... Daybreakers is an interesting one. I'm not a huge vampire film. I'm not a huge like fan of the vampire genre just in general, uh, because I think that we kind of bastardize the the idea behind what vampirism is about. Um, mm. But this one gets it right. I will say that this one definitely gets it right when we're talking about an elitist class of people that are taking advantage of those who are less fortunate. So. Yeah, this was so. This is a movie I like because it's a different take. Because a lot of times vampires are in the shadows, they're in the backgrounds, they're underlay, they're ha- they're far away in their castles, um, and that and it's an interesting take on like what if vampires won, and then like took over the world. Like, cool. Well, wow, man, we're all immortal. We all have these powers. We're all super strong. We can do this, but then now there's no food. And it cut it kind of cuts right back to it. So I think this was a very interesting take on it's like vampires keep trying to achieve. It's like a dog chasing a car mm-hmm. where it's like you keep trying to you keep trying and trying, but the dog wouldn't know what to do if it actually caught the car. Yep. Yep. And nice, so, vampires catch the car in this one. Nice Batman reference. I I first got I first got to point out. So you heard it here. You heard it from him, from Eugene's, from Eugene's own mouth. This is a movie that came out in 2009, and he liked it. I've said, I've said that there's a hand. There's like six good movies that came out between 05 and 2010. So I, I actually, I dig that. I dug this one as well. Um, it, I dug the idea that uh, I do agree with with Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke's statements on Daybreakers when this movie came out. I remember when he was given, he was on the interview circuit, and he was talking about that that the film is essentially kind of low art. And uh, but the reason that he took it is because of the underlying number one because of the concept. The concept itself it's a high concept and has a lot of interesting sci-fi elements as well as the horror elements. And he liked that crossover. But he also dug the messaging behind the film in and of itself. So, but you got essentially a, a story that's been told a number of times before. Now, Johnny, I think I agree with you in the idea that 
the vampires basically feeding upon a feeding the 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 upper aristocracy feeding upon the lower class is essentially what that is that kind of uh that metaphor is this is essentially the same kind of thing the one percenters kind of feeding upon or you know like getting every last drop they can out of the people who are not them and i get you to sustain themselves regardless of the cost so it's a it's a it's a message that's been i would say repeated number uh, time and time again throughout you know throughout human history the the issue that i had on this one is that for is it's actually kind of like a two part same issue one is that it definitely is like the flashiest message that you'll ever get because it's obvious the subtext of this film right. is saying something mm-hmm. like wow the the <laughs> problem was is that and maybe this was intentional by the by the by the by the, uh, the uh, Spiegel brothers um by the Spirit brothers was that it's really hard to tell like what message they're trying to say. There's obviously a capitalism message there. There's mm-hmm. obviously an environmental message going on. I mean, but you could apply that message to a number of things. So is that the Spirit Brothers? So I was kind of like, well, are the Spirit Brothers saying that we have many problems, but they're all kind of the same? Or did they not really want to land on one problem and push that? They like capitalism or uh class warfare or environmental or racism or like but what, i think you know, that all those things that you're talking about ultimately hint or point to the 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 topic that they're talking about in this film right so when we're talking about you know the one percenters well what happens when everybody becomes a one percenter now what now what happens well now the one percenters start to feed on their own right so that's what we're talking right. about we're like well there are people in Sam Neil that line that Sam Neil gives are people that will pay premium for the real thing. You know what I mean? Money. And that's how, yeah, right, that's, yeah. right. I mean, obviously, we're talking about class warfare. We're talking about what happens when, uh, when the 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 uh, aristocracy wins and everybody is now one percenter. Who's a one percenter then? Well, then it's going to be the other guys who have control. Of, you, you know what I mean? The one so percent of the one percent, and the one percent of the one percent of the one percent. So on right, and so exactly forth. that that uh, like the American dream per se isn't exactly realistically obtainable for everybody. Um, because if it is, then we just reset the clock on what it means to be. You know what that dream means to be, right? It's, if everyone's rich, no one's rich. Right. That whole right. yeah, exactly yeah. And, yeah, uh, so yeah, and, and that's what I got. It's like it, I felt like that they like visually the film is fantastic. The film is wonderfully shot. The Spirit Brothers did a fantastic job there. I loved Ethan Hawke. I love Ethan Hawke pretty much everything he does. And Sam Neill was fantastic. I like seeing Sam Neill as a bad guy. He's always fun because it's always fun to see him step out of the bubble and not be you know not be the typical good guy that he usually is. I like the concept of a. You say that. Guy. You say that. But if you look at all the Sam Neill performances. He hasn't been a good guy in a lot of horror films. Well, okay, so no, uh, uh, so th- like a straight up bad guy, like he's the villain. Obviously, like you got like going all the way back to the Omen, you have to Omen three. You know, yeah. he was the bad guy in that one. But I right. love that he he doesn't get the opportunity to play bad guys all that often to be straight bad guys. I think I can think of three off the top of my head, and that's Omen three, Event Horizon, and uh, Daybreakers. And but as far as that, he's either supporting. He can be unlikable characters, but True, characters yeah. that are justified, like his character in Peaky Blinders, yeah, or, or yeah. a number of other things that he's that he's been in, where it's kind of like, oh, he's a dick, but I get why he's a dick, and yeah. that kind of thing. So, but I like that, you know, I like it when he gets to go full board, just like you know, full bad guy, just full, you know, like chewing up the scenery and shit. It's just a lot of fun. Willem Dafoe is great. It just brings you know, like Willem Dafoe to it. It just he brings his energy. And 
I like the concept. I like the idea. Very, very, you know, kind of like a what, like a you know, what if kind of scenario. Um, I just think that the message kind of gets lost in the flash, and well, so, if they delivered a movie that looked phenomenal, but kind of loses what it's trying to say. Unless that was the intention of the directors, which I think see, is kind I, of honestly, I think that's I think that's the intention. When you look at like examining art. And especially when it comes to like say song lyrics, I'll use that as an example, is the best lyrics are the ones that you can mold to what fits you instead of uh, something that's super specific and is hammering like this one point in. It's something where if environmental if environmental um, issues impact you, then you can pick up on that. If social economic issues impact you, you can pick up on this and this and this. So you can mold it to something that hits closer to you than just watching something that's just so solidified. I like that. So we can say that the Spirit Brothers identified the commonality amongst the major problems that we face as a species, which is essentially the us versus them mentality. Right. And that that's what drives the ideas, like the, the haves and the have-nots, the, the we versus them, the unknown, the, like the people that you know versus the people that you don't know, that class versus this class, for whatever, doesn't matter the reasons why, but they identified that thing and then we're able to turn into an allegory of the world of vampires against the you know, humanity in that respect. So, yeah. and one thing I'll say is that the, the, the thing that sold me in this one is I love the fucking, there were two moments that got me in this one. Actually, technically three. The first one was the opening. I thought the opening was fucking brilliant. The, the, the child has been a vampire for so long and is now like, like at this point, mentality, like mentally wise, they're, they're old. Mm-hmm. but still in the body and then that that uh that unaliving themselves in that moment because you just did that despondency giving up right there in in that i love the imagery of that and what it's trying to say and how it sets the tone for the entire film the second one was the big bloodbath at the very end when when uh you have all the vampires <laughs> and then humans and then like yeah. and humans and then, and then until eventually there's like three of them left <laughs> it's like oh you're the lucky ones yeah. but i also loved Willem Dafoe as a vampire describing day driving when the streets are fucking empty and you could just drive as fast as you fucking want. He's like, there's nothing in this world like day driving. And it's like, and I was like, that just that would end plus the whole sequence when he like crashes this. He's like, fuck this. He crashes his car, goes through the goddamn, he just ejects through the windshield. I was like, holy shit. All of the, the fucking effects in this were phenomenal, both subtle and, and extreme. I loved what they brought to it. Such a beautiful film. So so extremely well done, you know. Even the uh, I I I couldn't find anything I, I couldn't like about it. It's just that I felt that the the message was a little modified. So it's kind of like the flashiest message you could possibly get. Well, like the one thing you look at, and one of the things I harp on in terms of the late two thousands is cinematography, and it has that CW like super polished look. Yeah, and right. This yeah, movie yeah. doesn't. This movie has a very traditional film look to it. I don't know what camera they shot. I don't know. It kind of has. It kind of has a little bit of that CW esque. Uh, very, very. It's, it's not there. enough. It's distracting. There. I don't know. For me, it is because I look at that shit thinking, "God damn it!" I go watch fucking uh, Jessica Biel playing any of these fucking roles now. Jesus Christ! Was that was that a, was that a swing at Blade Trinity? <laughs> well, actually, it was a swing at Seventh Heaven, but yeah, oh, I mean, okay. I thought it was a swing at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So. Oh, oh no, no, Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> she was she was awesome in that. She was awesome in Texas Chainsaw. She was. I'm going to give her that. She was great. I don't know what it is. This is another tangent, but I don't know what it is about Jessica Biel. I don't know if it's that she's just picking the wrong projects or she's just uh, the, the tall the, 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 the tall man. Yeah, I think we they, she could have avoided that one. So 
<laughs> I think she could have. When I can look I get, at filmography and think, man, you're you you were kind of good in Chuck and Larry, and <laughs> <laughs> that's only because you got to see her bra. That's the only reason. <laughs> I mean, not even. I was just like, uh, yeah, I could believe that you're an aloof attorney. But the one time, like literally, it's Adam Sandler's always going to have the, the 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 very good looking woman. It's that it's going to be. It's always it's like him and Kate Beckinsale, him and yo know, whoever. And I get that. I I, yeah. I I get that. But for the first, it was like one of the rare movies, one of the rare like Adam Sandler movies where I was more interested in him and Kevin than it was yeah. anybody else around them. It's like, yeah. oh, Jessica Biel's in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jessica Biel takes your top off. I don't yeah. care. Get back to the funny because watching yeah. these two guys, these two like New Yorkers, you know, have to play have to play a couple. Well, just, like Jessica Biel has never had like screen presence. She's not somebody that like draws you in. And that's what it is. I think that's what it is. Yeah, she's, she's literally she's put any other actors in any of her roles, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, that works too. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I mean, but, I mean, yeah. the thing is, that's the, that's the truth because she got. Uh, I mean, she got famous from Seventh Heaven, and she kind of kept getting these leads, and they just kind of, it was just whatever. Like she was like pants. Well, I would say, yeah, yeah, like like Chris, like Kristen Stewart, very much like Kristen yeah. Stewart in that respect. I would say it wasn't so much it was seventh heaven; it was the fact that she did Gear Magazine. She did her spread in Gear Magazine, and that's how she became famous because she was trying to break yeah. away from that good girl image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as as far as Daybreakers goes, I really dug it. Um, another thing I think is really awesome about it is that just despite this, none of the actors, despite the fact you got Willem Dafoe, you got Sam Neill, you got Ethan Hawke, you've got um, uh, fucking hell, there was a number of others that were in that film that nobody overshadowed the plot, which I thought was fantastic. It wasn't like you go to see, that's what I love. I think that's what I fucking love about Ethan Hawke is that he brings a, a very, very subtle um, natural uh, energy to all of the, to every role he plays. And he Mm -hmm. never overshadows what's happening. Like I'll say mission impossible, great fucking film, but Tom Cruise kind of overshadows that. There are actors who are simply by virtue of who they are and their, and their kind of panache or they kind of like their celebrity they overshadowed the film. It's a Tom Cruise movie. It's a Hugh Jackman movie. There was like you never get that with Ethan Hawke. He was sinister. It was like Ethan Hawke does services the play. He does he services the plot. That was a yeah. fantastic. I love the first Sinister, and it's Ethan Hawke in it because he never yeah I mean, overrides everything. Two, you know, even the last two horror films he did. Uh, uh, what was that one with the phone? Um, oh, the black phone. Black phone. Black phone. Yeah, yeah black phone. that one was really good. Uh, and then he, the one he, he did carried with, uh, that. He carried that movie. I've rarely yeah. have I seen an actor maintain that much subtext without yeah. expo- like like you could see the turmoil going on there, and yeah. he plays it in his physicality instead of in yeah. instead of in in, in, um, in exposition. Fucking brilliant! Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Holy shit! He's a, he's a terrific. He's a terrific <laughs> performer, terrific actor. Uh, and then the one he did with Julia Roberts and Marshall Ali, the uh, Netflix one. Um, Oh, um, uh, leave the world behind. Leave the world behind. Yeah, uh, that is. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that that is a fantastic yeah. film. Uh, well done, well done. And yes, I actually, Julia that. Roberts was great. I, I, she was. I was like, holy was shit! Like, that's somebody I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. She, I was like, it kind of surprised me. It was like, oh, it's Julia Roberts, but it's got Mahershala Ali. It's got Ethan yeah. Hawke. It's got yeah. this is looking solid. And then, oh, Julia Roberts. Oh, is she going to drag everybody down with? No, she didn't. She, she was fantastic. She knocked it out to a fucking T. Yeah, she I was, was like, I was impressed. Very, very even creepy movie. Kevin Bacon's even Kevin Bacon was like overshadowed by because he was only in there for like half a second. But even still, you know what I mean. 
he brings uh, he brings his own gravitas. You know, when Kevin yeah, Bacon's sure. there, when Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon's there, when Kevin Bacon's standing on the on the on the porch with a shotgun, saying, "You need to get off my property right now." Yeah. You take it seriously because it's Kevin fucking Bacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, but yeah, Daybreakers one of the commercials ever. By the way, Daybreakers. I dug. Um, I think some people might. Uh, I don't know. Some people might feel a little too hit over the head with the message that maybe it was too much. Yep. I personally think it was there, but it didn't overshadow the plot. It didn't certainly didn't overshadow the visual appeal of the film. The film, you know, visually is amazing. I think it's a great popcorn flick. Um flashy and beautifully shot and well crafted with some good nuance and some some kooky moments, you know, that that balance it out, you know, some here and there. But like like Ethan Hawk said, it's his it's low art. It's high concept low art. And I, I, I think that was, uh, that's what works for it. But uh, I don't know what other people think. I don't know, but that's what I'm going to find out. Speaking of, mm -hmm. was it too flashy? Was it not too flashy? What do you guys think? This is what I want to know. Remember, weekendhorror.gmail.com in the side chat or the comment section down below. Was Daybreakers too much? Did it, was it like too, here's a message, ah, or was it not enough? Do you feel that we went too many different directions to keep that message or the, the artistic vision intact? Let us know. Love to hear your thoughts. Oh, I like the circus and blade. Yeah, blade run. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good, good. comparison. That's yeah. a good comparison. I kind of did. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. Raven Darkstar. Uh, Leave the world behind is not a religious film. the The movie is about is essentially focusing. The movie essentially focuses on the fact that our nation in itself, as a as a as a fundamental as, as from a fundamental aspect, is very. Um, what's the word? Uh, starts with a D. Uh, is is fundamentally dysfunctional. Is yeah. that there's that the underlying problems under the, that that pretty much we face every single day in our society oh, are Raven easily Darkstar, are, are easily exploitable. That's the issue. Raven Darkstar is thinking of that Left Behind series. Oh, right? Left Behind. Oh, oh wait, no, no not to be confused with that. No, story. not that one. Or the one with Nicolas Cage. Or the one with Nicolas Cage. No. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, Johnny O will never be like, "Hey, here's a Nick Cage movie you see." That'll never happen. Other than Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> not and even color, and, and color out of space especially not color space <laughs> <laughs> that movie's fucking amazing what the fuck is wrong with you nick cage is what's wrong with me oh <laughs> <laughs> look here's the thing anyway here, here look this is where i'm going to uh take the the take take a step out of the character for a second i i i nick cage is just not my jam i i don't particularly care for his choices i don't particularly care for his acting style um he's not your jam but he's your peanut butter He's not my peanut butter either. He's not even the fucking crustless <laughs> white bread that goes around it. Uh <laughs> Nicholas Cage is the crust that you remove from the sandwich. Remove from the sandwich. That's and then, sad. Uh, That's sad. Uh, no, here's the thing. Uh Nick Cage, uh, in his own right, people enjoy him. Um and that's great. Uh, he's just not for me. You know, uh, he's something just not for me. I, I there's only so much that I can take before I'm like, fuck off. Uh, Tang Whistle, good to see you. Says hello, all good to see you, Tang Whistle. Uh, fantastic. Yes, Casey Cooper, especially Mandy. Thank you, Casey. Thank you very much. We do appreciate that. Um, uh, right here, Mandy. Like I just think Barry Manilow, okay? <laughs> Extra, I like the I like Leave the World Behind. Saw it on a movie stream on MMM Discord. Uh, speaking of which, when do we get another? I will try to stream something in the Discord very, very soon. I've been really busy over here since the start of the new year. I have some things like I like I promised on the live stream. I have some personal stuff that I'm angling at, and I'm setting that up. That takes time, so I've just been really busy behind the scenes here. With the, you've seen the changes in the Discord. There's changes coming to the YouTube stuff. You know, it's it's all kinds of stuff. It's all logistic. 
but I promise you, uh, you will enjoy it. And I promise I will get back to it soon. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Eugene, you want to give our next one an intro? Hang on, because I was not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I can intro it. I, I, I'm i prepped. I can intro it. I, I, I okay, don't expect okay. it. Okay. okay, so the next one we have coming up, released January 11, 2019, and we have a Wakefield project. Let's check out this trailer. Cue up the Terror 2. Johnny, do you like the Terror 2, by the way? You like what we've done with it? This fun. Awesome. That whisper was really just them telling you that it's too late. You'll never unsee this shit fucking You'll movie. never unsee it. <laughs> so, yes, that was a Wakefield project. Uh, Which so, you would think, based on that trailer, came out sometime in, like, 1985. But, no, that was more recent. <laughs> so, a Wakefield project. Um, uh, uh me off uh star uh, sorry uh damn it what the fuck i lost shit directed by la lopez written by Lindsay syme and stars Lindsay syme uh dennis andre and anthony buells the film uh is basically follows a couple of buddies who have sunk a bunch of Chad money into who have sunk a bunch of money into a <laughs> sunk a bunch of money into a an inn in this little town and with the intent to uh, turn it into a B and B as kind of like a start over card, and then they find out that the inn that they have bought was the was uh, the former site of a notorious uh, series of murders. And uh, when they find this out, of course, it coincides with the arrival of a number of solar flares, which bring about my favorite fucking to topic: quantum ghosts, baby. Yes, oh, no. yes, because oh, the solar no. energy changes the frequency, and then the ghosts can interact with the living. It's amazing. Quantum ghosts. <laughs> Where the fuck is Clive Barker when you need him? <laughs> anyway, I found that that's why I found this to be totally hilarious because it's been an inside joke with me for as long as we live that, you know, all ghosts are ours energy and all the energy has to do is shift and then we can interact with the machine. It's you know, unknown phenomena. But nonetheless, the veil between the living and the dead suddenly lifts for like 24 hours and all these ghosts coming out. And one of them is the infamous murderer who is looking yep. for revenge. Totally um, original idea, by the way. Yeah. Never. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Now I, I will say, I, I, I mean, I'll say this straight out the film, not, not great. Uh, the problem with it, the, the problem I have is the biggest issue I have work yes you're right it's not exactly original but i like the premise i like the premise of where they were going with it that it is an like a like a, a rare phenomena that takes place and then the supernatural event takes place you know it kind of gives there's maybe a scientific explanation to it or, or scientific correlation i don't know i like the fact that they don't explore it because they don't need to it's just something that happens and then it has an effect that is like oh it's shocking it's like that but fuck's sake a premise like this cannot be wasted with a tiny fucking budget and no like and like mediocre fucking writing so uh, in my eyes the, the wakefield project was just an absolute waste of an awesome premise and they tried to go way too hard into the secondary stories we didn't need that just the event in and of itself so it, it kind of was like it, it the premise is kind of like dawn of the dead group of people together trapped in a space for a period of time because of the unstoppable onslaught of the undead outside having to deal with the internal conflicts inside it's a classic tv trope people stuck in a small space have to deal with each other until a problem is solved and it works well there's a reason it's a classic trope 
And that would have played well, especially in this big ass inn, this old inn that they're working in. It's under construction. And then, of course, you have the clairvoyant, you have the skeptic, you have the guy who's kind of on the fence. Then you have the ghost show up. That's when the that's when the fun starts. But they because they didn't have the money to explore what they needed to explore. They weren't able to tell the story that should have been told. And then we got this lackluster thing of which I honestly can say the only entertaining part of the movie was um was uh was it anthony what was his name uh dennis yeah it was dennis andre dennis andre who played uh reese who played the character reese who was the buddy in the in the kind of like sean and ed kind of style he was the comedic guy um other than the fact that i don't know if y'all caught it i i mean i sent you pick i sent you pictures because i couldn't i couldn't help it <laughs> why why would you have your one of your main characters wear his hat and he tucks his ears into his fucking hat because it, it happened, I I saw it one time, and I, I was like, what the fuck? And then I had to go back. They do that all the time throughout. He tucks his ears into his hat. I was like, it's like he's what? never worn a hat before. Maybe, it was like, maybe, what the sh-? maybe he's got some really fucking big ears. I was looking at his picture, he doesn't. Maybe he's really fucking stupid. <laughs> That's the wardrobes department. That's wardrobe that did that. But nonetheless. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and, and Sarcasm brings up the last 40 minutes were a black screen with bad voice acting and worse sound effects. There was an extra long prolonged sequence of events where it was just nothing but loud noise and maybe some music while people are running around not doing like pretty much uh 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 and nothing is happening. That's a that, that was an overly long chunk of the film because they didn't have anything else to put in there. That was to extend the runtime into that feature length territory. And there was a unacceptable shit that was done in this. And you know, that's the problem. It's like a complete total fucking waste of a premise, which really pissed me off because I like the idea. And yeah, we could do a live rewrite of this fucker and we can make it awesome. Cause I, I could take Wakefield project. I can make that, fu- that thing fucking amazing. As long as you got the budget to do it. This thing was shot for probably less than a million, uh, probably a few hundred thousand. You know, you know, you say that like, I could tell you right now, there are two guys on this on this podcast right now that could take a quarter of a million dollars and turn out a fucking amazing film. Well, I mean, it's possible, but you, you, I think where the breakdown is going to be, I think Eugene, you you might agree with you that the breakdown is going to be in either the practical or the CGI effects. So when you're talking about the solar flare effect, okay, and this is where I'll actually agree with what Johnny said one time to me when we were talking is that if solar flares are going to play a major part of your story. You need to see them. Kinda. They need to be there. We need to see atmospheric effects so Something. that we see what's going on. In in the movie, it's a wonderful night. The Aurora was a major plot. Was it was literally the plot jeep? Was the Auroras? If we don't see the Auroras, then we're just like, what the fuck is the point? So and right. you know, so, so at least something. I will, so, so I will I will go and I'll reference two movies here. Uh, the first one in terms of like say some kind of solar event or something like that that did it a lot better was something like Night of the Comet, where okay. like something where everybody disappears and a few people that are left turning to zombies. And they were, first of all, you did see like, hey, there's a comet that went by and affected people and it did it well. Another movie that I reference is if you take a, say you take a massive event, but you don't have the budget to showcase a massive event, then you have to keep it simple with a small group of people. So you take the purge, 
which we talked about Ethan Hawke already. You take The yeah. Purge. The first movie was a huge national event, right? But it focused on just one family. Yep. Right. This is just the one family, which is perfect because it's perfect. all you needed was the setup of that. This is happening across the nation. That's all you needed was that yeah, setup. Yeah. So, uh, you have the gravity you have the, of this of this. Event. You have the separation. You have exactly. the family. In the, you have the you have the peace in the one house, surrounded by the chaos outside, and that's what right. it is. Problem outside, people people in small space keep yeah you know, until the problem is solved, which is essentially right. what that is. Is that you know. That's why that trope works so well. Would it would it work well hands here? Hands down, hands down, that work. And the thing is, is that event alone could already be interesting enough. Where it's just okay, now something happens, dead have come back. You need to protect your family. You don't need the background of oh, this murderer comes back, and now we gotta go and fight the butcher, and we gotta learn about his past, and we gotta do instead of like yeah. in the purge. This is what's going on. This is the way the world is. Now they the characters gotta adapt. Right. right. Simple. Yeah, and so, you know, and- the, 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 like the way that the purge does that particular that that plot device. You know what I mean? That these guys, this is just a part of their lives. They're already used to it. This is how they're. You know what I mean? A very intelligent way of taking that big nasty event happening out here, but we're focused on this right here. This small portion of that big nasty event. Except Which it never focuses like- on the. It never focuses on the awkwardness of the day after. So like yeah, you know, yeah, like we if the dude like if, yeah, if, we, if the yeah, dude got away from that. if like if like your prey if your quarry got away from you and then all of a sudden we got to go back to work the next day is like yeah oh hey hey Jim yeah hey, if man. you know you know who's gonna be <laughs> on fucking, yeah right Jim better watch the fuck out okay <laughs> what are we gonna do is be like oh buddy that was so close better luck next year <laughs> yeah right yeah, exactly like, what the fuck. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see the purge, the after party. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, that would be a good idea. Uh, purge people. What happens when we purge outside of the purge? Lieutenant Jedi to show stock, even show stock footage. So there's a number. You don't even have to show stock footage to solar flares. You could. There was another mo- a movie. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a similar thing where there was an atmospheric event. But they never show it because they get a warning over the radio to not go outside. So yeah. because there's some sort of phenomena going on, and what they did was that they they it was, it was essentially the cheapest you could do is that they use lighting effects outside the windows to affect something going on in the atmosphere. And so that would be like ah, there's the like like weird there's weird like light coming through the windows. Don't go outside. It's if you if you're low on budget, there's a number of ways you can pull that off, yeah. and you can even do you can even do you can even like shackle something together to show on like a video you could clip something together and like premiere and then like play that over a tv so that or you could have yeah. that like there's a number of ways you can insert that to to, to make that work and when, you, when you're working with a low budget and sure yeah I, I have no doubt that eugene you johnny probably myself could probably punch something out for the same amount of money and make it look all the better because it, it comes down to the writing well so this is the point I'm sorry, but this is a point that I was trying to make about that. It's not about it's not about the money that you have in your pocket. It's about how you use whatever that that checkbook or whatever. How you spend it. Yeah. Yeah. How you spend it and knowing what's important, like identifying what what's the most important part about what you're doing here. You know what I mean? What are the elements? What has to be right? And how do we adapt everything else to fit what has to be right? So when people get, you know, like, for instance, we'll put out, we've written scripts. All of us have written scripts that were multi-million dollar ideas. I'm like, mm, I can't. Oh, Wakefield, can't. Only made, Wakefield only made 10,000. 
$45 in the theater. That's probably why I caught it. I think it's on Tubi. And yeah, it's, it's free. free it's free, yo. They 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 get they get picked up for the, the number of views that they get. And yeah. I can't imagine how many movies have actually cut a little bit of money because we took the time to watch them. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome. Welcomely, you're welcome. You're fucking welcome. <laughs> Collectively putting nickels in your pocket. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but nonetheless, no, it's, I, it's, it make sure thought, you use what you've got in the correct way and be intelligent about what you're yeah. doing. There and take so those big projects that need more money. Put them aside and work on something right. you can shoot for five bucks or ten bucks or whatever. You know what I mean? That limited amount of budget, so you can work your way up to that big idea. There's yeah. a there's a, oh go sorry go ahead DJ. yeah because one one of the things that's lacking here is one big thing with cinematography that the lighting's yeah. not great in this film um, at all. There's oh god, it's fucking awesome. You, the third act, the third act was terrible. Parts that were just bland, super bland lighting wise. There and, was even an out. Do you remember there was even an outside shot when they were fucking driving up to the guy's house in order to get the VCR? Oh yeah. And he's like the way they the, like, when they were sitting in the truck is like you know at one point he's like getting out of the truck and he's like complete like the driver is completely washed out and yet the other guy is lit perfectly and I'm kind of like really you yeah. couldn't like have just like it couldn't balance to keep it balanced within the same yeah. shot is like what the shit man it's oh like, no they they sat there and they just they just ran with it right. and it was just like i said a lot of it was so basic where like a lot of the exteriors they didn't use any modifiers or lighting at all you just tell and then on top of that's a style if you want to do a supernatural horror film supernatural horror films have a look to them when you look at movies like The Others, you look at The Ring, you look at these supernatural, they have this sort of stylistic look to them. Usually these real high contrast. They kind of make a lot of blues. Ooh, kind of ooh um, the fucking Pulse with Kristen Bell. Pulse, exactly. That same, that same effect throughout the, the entire picture. Yeah. to it. Whereas yeah. this, this is really shot more like, it looks more like a low-budget slasher film. So yeah. what happens is it doesn't it doesn't match up because you're getting low budget slasher film in a supernatural premise and it just didn't work. It just it wasn't the style just didn't come through. It was more like they were just capturing shots for the sake of capturing shots. Mm -hmm. If they had if they had done it would have been really really easy to I think a, a really easy change would be is like all of the exterior shots light with that same kind of with with, with a similar palette with the different shades within a palette. And then uh, we'll say take it with one hue and then your palette would be the shades within that hue. And then you use that for all your exterior shots in order to convey the uncertainty of the exterior. And then whenever they're inside the inn, have that lit in a much more warm, uh, in, a, in a much warmer area, but have it a little bit darker because of the shadows. And you let, allow the, the like natural firelight or candlelight or whatever to play because the power goes out at one point. So allow that to allow that lighting to warm the, the warm that. That way you have two you have like the the island that you're that you're somewhat safe on but the shadows there because the light is temporary so you but you you create two environments for your for your characters to play in the uncertainty of the outside world and the uh the uh, the assumed safety of the inside the inn that would have allowed for two different types of characterization to come out to draw these things out because the 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 environment they play in is as, is as important as the dialogue in and of itself because if you feel safe you're going to deliver your dialogue differently if you're running around outside and you're feeling unsafe that's going to play into it as well we're going to have that trepidation we're going to have that that energy that underlying kind of like near panic underneath what you say where you're trying to figure shit out that would have been a simple change light here light here conveys two different emotions and can convey 
two different environments, and that tells your actors how they're going to behave in each one. Simple choices like that. Basic film school yeah. shit that yeah. obviously well, didn't come across or, basic, or were forgotten. Speaking of basic film school shit, I think the one thing that they've forgotten, which would have helped their overall look, was white balancing the camera. Um, making sure that you're, yeah. you're shooting at a Kelvin range that matches or at least um, utilizes whatever light you have. So it's important. And, you know, what are it's knowing some basic shit? Now, here's the thing. I am not a great cinematographer at the very least, but I do know that as a somebody who works in the lighting department, I know what to look for. And, you know, Eugene and I will often go back and forth. Eugene, you know, let's go to a 4,400 Kelvin while I try this, uh, you know, mm -hmm. this 5,600 light. Cause I want to, you know, I want to remove a little bit of the blue, add a little more warmth in that. So I guess it's things like that, knowing that shit, right. No, going outside and saying, Hey, uh, there's a lot of daylight out here. So let's make sure that if we want a daylight natural look, we, balance our camera closer to the 5600 kelvin side if we want it more blue we need to go a little higher if we want it warmer we need to go lower i think that's right um, and remember if you see zebras run you never want to see zebras <laughs> okay no, no, yeah no, no. eugene knows what the fuck i'm talking about you when you see zebra fix, when you're looking you cannot you, go fix ahead, blown go. out footage no you cannot fix cannot. blown out footage if, you, if you're if you're looking through the fucking fire and you see fucking zebras run shift yeah. do something different because yeah. <laughs> it's gonna look and, like trash and, talk, <laughs> and, and on top of just knowing your camera and knowing like talking about like the white balancing knowing the dynamic range of your camera so you can know how much room do you have to play right. with your shadows right is a really really big thing i don't know if they shot on film i don't know if they shot on digital i just don't know i'm not gonna do the research for it they just shot on something <laughs> on the digital <laughs> aspect the digital aspect, knowing your color temperatures. And then if you shoot on film, that get comes through your film stock. So you bought 50, you would buy 5,600 film stock or 4,000 film stock, but you would know ahead of time, okay, we're shooting daylight here. We need 5,600 film stock. So that way it comes across the way that we want it to. Mm -hmm. And they just, they didn't do the research on that. Right. Extra J says, I end up buying some of the movies you show when I catch them, uh, which reminds me, I need to go buy Onyx the Fortuitous. Ah, awesome. Fantastic. And I'm a big supporter of Andrew Bowser. By the way, I just recently, his movie, uh, um, what the fuck was the name of it? Uh, Jimmy something versus the goat versus the goat man of Bowie. Uh, that's on Tubi right now. And I highly recommend you check it out because that's, that's a movie Andrew Bowser is in. So definitely give that one a look. Uh, Jimmy Bonnet or Jimmy, I can't remember the name of it, but uh but that one, it was, it was actually quite quite humorous. And um, Casey Cooper says, what about giraffes? Ha <laughs> ha, giraffes, yes. But uh, zebras are what we're talking about when you have overexposure. And overexposure, when looking at it, it will come across as as black and white lines in areas that are overexposed when you're looking at it, when you're, when you're looking at it through the uh, through the finder. And you'll see these lines. And then you know you need to, you know, you, then you need to adjust your light in that area to bring that down. Otherwise, it can be completely blown out when you actually record which is really important. That's a, that was shit. I will learn that first year. First year yeah, was like that, how to like learn your, learn your tools. They, yeah. You, you use your viewfinder for framing and you use your tools to do a lot of your exposures. Yeah. That's why you have yeah. your zebra strikes. You have your histograms, you have your false colors, you have so much. Yeah. Know what your yes. scopes for. I mean, 
Zerkaz says, thank you for appropriately trashing this film. Bows. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's the, 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 there's, there's nothing that gets me more than a film that, that pisses me off. And while this one is, did not make me as angry as some other ones I've watched, like, you know, it didn't anger me like The Butcher angered Eugene or even myself or some other movies. But I fucking hate it when a good, solid premise, even if it's not an original premise. I mean, come on, like what legitimately is original these days? But I hate it when a premise goes to waste. When you have a, even if you, if you have a really solid premise and you can't do it, you know, or that you really can't achieve what you want to, that, you know, then put it aside. Choose I'm something, something different. Choose yeah. something different. Wait until if you have a solid premise, wait until you can do it so that you can do it right. You know, don't just like jump on it because you I understand the fear that you may come up with an idea and then someone else may 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 jump on you in that <coughs> crawl, but it happens sometimes. <laughs> so, but you know, you take your time with it. I mean, someone else may get there, but you could still do the same movie. If I get the opportunity to make my alligator movie, you can damn sure you can damn sure. Or damn be certain, I'm going to do it. I don't care if Crawl came out or there's another fucking alligator movie coming out next uh, this year. I don't give a shit. I'll still make mine because mine could be fucking better. So they, they should have held off on this one and used that money towards something else that was a little bit simpler. There was another yep. film that I came across that I'm so glad I watched called I Trapped the Devil that was on, uh, that I caught while I was in the gym yesterday, the other day. And I loved, uh, I Trapped the Devil was really fucking good because it's about a guy on Christmas Eve who is a strange family comes to visit him out of the blue and he wants them to leave because he believes he's trapped the devil in his basement. Like he's the devil trapped. He's like, you need to go, you need to go. But they decide not to go. And then, but the thing was, it's a single location. It's one house, attic, upstairs, downstairs, or sorry, and, and basement. So you have mm -hmm. one location and then three characters. And the movie was, and you never actually see the bad guy. Or do That's you? Not sure. Because it's psych, it's fucking psych. There's a psychological bent to the whole thing. Right. Like, is it supernatural? Is it you know, or is he just losing his mind? Because the way and it was that's how you do something a, a great premise like that. That's how you maximize the amount. And of course, every single layer of the house had different lighting to convey the basement, the the common area, the upstairs right. sleeping area, and the attic where all the conspiracy shit was going on. So it's important. To remember these little things. Utilize, you have to utilize your resources and you have yes. to know your budget. One of my favorite stories is Peter Jackson saw the 19, I think 1970s version of King Kong yeah. and hated it. And he devoted <laughs> his life to remaking King Kong. So he made all these other movies. He did the Lord of the Rings trilogy just so he can get to the point where he could remake King Kong. And now that, 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 that was his end goal. <laughs> he said, that's a wrap. I am spent. <laughs> done. That, that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. Sir Cadden like, says, uh, Sir Cadden says, Low was original. Love that one. And Low was good, wasn't it? it I was remember uh, Low was good. And so and dirt cheap. Literally, character in a black box, which is what that movie was for, for most of that film. Most of the film was character in black box. Very, very simple. So, mm. and wrote it in the last name, says, nope, quantum ghost. Quantum ghost. Yeah, quantum ghost. So the question that uh, the question that I want to ask the audience, now the one saving grace I will give it, it wasn't even that much of a saving grace, was of course the performance of, uh, was the performance of Dennis Andre. I thought he brought some, he brought some, you know, some entertaining moments to that. And he was the, the better half. He brought, actually, he's the one that brought the chemistry 
between him and uh, his co-star. And so uh, I will have to say, I it got me thinking about buddies, about like, you know, buddy teams in horror films. And I wanted to ask the audience uh, because Tucker this movie. And Dale. <clears throat> huh? Tucker and Dale. Oh, I was going to say, what is y'all, what do y'all think is the best horror buddy team? Horror film, the buddy team in a horror film. There are so many where it's two buddies and they are taking it and they're taking on like the bad guys who are like this. The best horror buddy, the horror film buddy team. Let me know down in the comments below or weeknorgmail.com or here in the live chat. And that's what I want to hear about. So because I was thinking about that we had a buddy team, but it wasn't what it could have been. And now I'm sitting here thinking about all the cool buddy teams in horror films. See, my mind instantly went to like Shaun of the Dead buddy team. There you go. Sean and Ed. Sean and Ed. Whereas yeah, Sean and Ed are good. Uh don't get me wrong. They're good. Like Shaun of the Dead is great. Uh and the other films they do, you know, um, world's end and uh hot fuzz uh, hot fuzz they're 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 fun they're, they're super fun right but i'm sorry but tucker and dale tucker and dale there's just something <laughs> about those two characters man uh <laughs> y'all 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 going camping okay sheriff Sheriff, we have had us a doozy of a day. <laughs> fucking Alan Tudyk and oh, yeah. Tyler the Bean fucking killed that film. Yeah. I saw they were so brilliant. You want a killer hillbilly? I'll give you a killer hillbilly. <laughs> 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 All right, so we've got I was gonna, the Legend of Jedi says Abbott and Costello. That's a good awesome yeah. Abbott yeah. and Costello. Uh Sally Skellington said Sean of the Dead. Sean and Ed from Sean of the Dead. Tony Regime says the Frog Brothers from mm. Lost Boys. Mm. There you go. That's interesting. interesting. Okay. Uh, oh, Rodan Lassane brings split second. Rutger Hauer and um, I, he's care. Oh, if I can remember the, the names of the characters. Um, but the, uh, God, it's 1992. Fuck it. Fucking A. Uh, but yes, Alistair Duncan and Rutger Hauer as Harley Stone and Dick Durkin. Stone Dick and Durkin. That, that was their names. I Come know. On. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and they knew what they were doing. Harley, Harley Stone. And Dick, uh, Dick, uh, Dick Durkin. They were awesome in split second. Uh, Rodan saves us Tucker and Dale. Fucking A. And Kiki says Laurel and Hardy. Nice. <laughs> so many good ones. Uh, Devin, let us know Peter down Cushing, in the comments below. Peter Cushing and um, uh, I'm tired. I can't remember his fucking name. Just give me the name. You know what I'm Chris, talking about. Christopher Lee. Thank you. Fucking hell. Well, they were really buddies. They I don't give a shit, JL. Adversarial. Buddy team. They're frenemies. Frenemies. Bruce Campbell and his chin. Mm. <laughs> so true. And so his true. boomstick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, this uh, is the point of the show where Johnny O must go. You got to bounce? I got to bounce. I'm sure Eugene will continue the story about some of the cool things coming out um, from this. We don't have that much long uh, longer to go. And I know I, I do. I've got a couple of things you got to take care of uh, before the wife and kids get back, so I don't get yelled at. Oh, you're not supposed to be on the chat. <laughs> <laughs> you're to the radar right now. <laughs> uh, All right then. Well, then we will catch but, on the next one, bud. Yep. Uh, we will. We can reconvene this here later if Eugene is up for it. We could talk because we do need. There are some things we do need to discuss and get some figures and numbers and information. So, Javier, that's not nice. 
jail in the gym is a horror movie. Well, it, it it was there the first few months. It really I mean, was. I was say, it's like it was like it was like it was scary. It was like the stuff too. I was gonna say order. For me, for me, for me personally, it was more like the blob. Okay, the blob returns. All right. So. I wanted to go the stuff because it's kind of like just like oh, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Let me know when you guys are done, and then we'll we can talk a couple of things uh, this evening. So Eugene has all the information he needs for Friday. Yay, buddy. Yay. Cool. All right. Well, I mean, we'll still be open. So if you want to pop back in when it's done, cool. so because we'll be yeah. done, I'll, I'll probably we'll try to wrap it as quick as as quick as we can. We spent a lot of time talking about Alien, so but I we guess did. You, we, we did. did. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're almost at two hours. Still have two movies left. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. All right. So, do you want to introduce the next one, or yeah, I, I can do the next one. Awesome. All right. So next, we have The Plague of the Zombies, which was released January 12th, 1966. Roll it. I cannot tell you how much I fucking love this movie. I really did. <laughs> that is Plague of the Zombies, directed by John Gilling, starring Andre Morel, Diane Clare, Brooke Williams, Jacqueline Pierce, John Carson, and Alexander Devon. And basically what we end up having is you have a medical professor and a daughter basically fight against a squire who has some voodoo tricks up his sleeve. Yes, he does. <laughs> okay, so I, I preface this thing like going into it. Uh, so I fucking love this movie. So I hadn't had I had this is one of uh one of the one of the horror one of the hammer horror gems that I hadn't had an opportunity to watch yet. Love the fact that we got to see it this time. And man, I fucking thoroughly love this movie. Especially and in the casting of uh, the legendary Andre Morel, because Andre Morel is um, was a legendary stage and screen actor, uh, British actor, and was well known for uh, playing uh, Professor Quatermass in a uh, in a BBC serial. Um, the guy has got. I likened his character in this the way it was written to a combination of. He's basically a combination of. Uh, I would say, um, House. Who is essentially kind of like uh uh essentially kind of like uh fucking Sherlock Holmes with a medical degree and Van Helsing is kind of what he is. He's kind of like all like like the the great like the great mind adventurer style uh mm. you know English explorer whatever, but also like a man of medicine and science. I love all rolled into one because of all the people you wouldn't expect to uh, to fall to the super uh, like to the, go to the supernatural. He does though know, when everything else has been eliminated, the only thing left is the explanation, and that's the supernatural. So someone's got to be practicing witchcraft. So let's go handle that shit. But then, <laughs> let's take like, care of it. But then, but then, great moments. Kind of like it's like, well, they won't let me do an autopsy because obviously there's a conspiracy. They won't. They don't want an autopsy done because the people, you know, they're it'll expose the secret. So it's like they won't let me do one. It's like, okay, well then I guess we're gonna have to do one ourselves. But they're not going to allow it. No, there's plenty of light out tonight. We got we we. It's like so grave robbing. It's like we're gonna go take the. He's like, yeah, shit, yeah, fuck yeah. This is the only way we're gonna we're gonna find out. I loved this fucking character, and then of course when the dead rise and the, and the, the guy's wife, you know, like or the guy's a uh, girl, like crawls about of her grave. It's like, uh, he's the only one who doesn't panic. Picks up a fucking shovel. Funk. <laughs> <laughs> a man of science, a man of brilliance, a man of action, and it was. It, it, this is what got me, and I love this for Hammer Horror, is that it conveys social things that are so like so an, an anathema to what we know today like 
people in science being willing to have or being willing to have open minds when it comes to other alternative explanations. Mm-hmm. People who don't fall apart with stress, you know, they're like, oh no, I'm useless. No, I have to, I have to, I have to like we I'm needed right now. I have to put my personal shit aside and get the job done. Um police officers that are that are like like super, super helpful is like once they realize like, hey, you're breaking the law. Oh, wait, goodness, there's something going on here. Okay, well, we'll, we'll get. I realize that there is that there's that air of aristocracy that people of an elevated uh, class had more authority when it came to like giving orders to people. And that was kind of in, you know, in British society at the time, like with, with age comes wisdom. And so we listened to our elders and shit. It was so interesting to see that this play out like this. And I, I, I just loved all the elements that came together beautifully, not to mention the practical effects were good. And did you notice some similar, I, I think that Plague of the Zombies kind of influenced, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I never read anything about it. I think it influenced Romero a bit in his, the depiction of his ghouls in Night of the Living Dead, which came out a couple years after this one did. Because yeah. I saw the, the movement, the, 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 the framing shots, you know, like the, how they're coming in behind him during the whole dream sequence when he was imagining all the people coming out of their graves and, you know, I saw a lot of parallels there. Yeah, so you're definitely going to see um, definitely a lot of influence, and this is kind of going on to that that true proto zombie to what how we see zombies today. This will come a little bit more from a voodoo um, aspect versus like the true disease form of the zombies that right. zombies what we have today, or space space virus and shit like that. Yeah, the, yes, the the Haitian um, resurrection zombie. Yeah. But the thing, the thing I did like about this is that you deal with smart characters, and as you talked about, well, Andre's character is like, "Hey, we're gonna go. We're not gonna fall apart under stress. You're having police that's useful because having a character break down and all of a sudden they become useless, a lot of times can be just a lazy out. We have to kill somebody off. We have to make the villain seem stronger than what they actually are." So we'll just have the characters break down and crumble and ah, da, 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 da. It is always more difficult as a writer where you write smart characters because the, the characters overall do not fall for the stupid. They do not fall for the cliche. They do not do this. So if you want the bad guy to say win a confrontation and kill a character, then the bad guy has to come out on top and oversmart them in a superior way versus just, oh, well, I'm here. I can just dominate. And on the other side is when you have a hero, your hero has to legitimately outsmart a villain. So it takes a whole higher level of writing to get to that. But that's the kind of writing that I appreciate mm-hmm. because it's like a, I love horror films where I'm watching a character, I'm like, I would do that same thing. Oh, that's exactly what I would do. And then the character gets smoked, and then you're like, oh, okay. Okay, you have my attention now. All right, all right, the villain outsmarted me. Okay, now like, now I'm invested in that point versus like, oh, she ran up the stairs again. Oh, the cops are here. And then the cops go, we don't believe you. And then the cops are useless. How many times have we seen that? So... I like going. I like going back to this. Another thing about another thing about Hammer Horror is they just have this quality to them. All of them are shot well. 
I mean, right. including this one. The lighting here is beautifully. They have such beautiful and ornate, ornate set pieces. It's never like here's just a basic living room. Here we get like here's this Victorian style. Right. Smile. Here's here's these here's these set pieces that have so much detail to them so that it helps out the cinematography because it has these colors that pop. It has these set pieces that fit with and sell that the story. And it's just something that they've just they've always invested in and it just adds to that production value. It was beautifully done, and I love. I really thoroughly love the lighting in this one. The way everything yeah. was framed, and the way everything was. I mean, you know, Hammer's always been solid, and and knowing what they want to pop in a particular scene, like in in any particular frame, they know what they want to pop. They know what they want to draw the audience's uh, imagination to. I love the choices that were made in this, and so many good options. And I. One thing I will praise him for, which I did not expect, which I loved. And uh, Sarcasm says, I have to say, I feel it copied the 1932 white zombie tropes, but actually did it better all around. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. Mm-hmm. And one thing I thought was really fucking cool is it, it kept to that typical trope at the time uh, where, in, where in, in storytelling, especially in horror films, where the bad guy, the ultimate bad guy usually becomes a victim. And you see this a lot in Hammer Horror, where the bad guy, the ultimate bad guy, the end, the end boss becomes a victim of their own uh, machinations. So similar to the one with uh, The Devil Rides Out, we never actually see Christopher Lee, the good guy, take on that bad guy because that bad guy falls prey to his own uh, to his own magic because it backfires on him and it kills him, takes his life. So we never get a big showdown. With this one, we never actually get a giant showdown between our hero, uh, between our heroes and the main bad guy. The bad guy falls prey to his own zombies, you know, and the fact that the whole place goes up in flames. So like his own, like I love that trope, but I thought... This was really fucking cool. So because it's voodoo and they were playing on those on those the the old the old tropes of the kind of like the old uh, superstitious notion of these things, how these voodoo dolls were being resurrected as the people who had died. And so the dolls themselves are connected to the zombies that he's got working as like slave labor in order to build his army so that he could like do whatever, take over the world with some shit. And I fucking love that moment when the the uh, when um, our uh, intrepid hero, when the doctor uh himself when andre andre morell is uh fighting for i think it's uh forbes uh yeah uh, james Warren forbes is fighting the uh the head of the uh, the head of the minions like the head of his little like henchman and he winds up killing him and they set the room on fire okay so, so and he's like ah oh, crap and he's trapped and he's you know he's stuck there and then the dolls get set on fire they had this moment where the zombies are all down below in the mill doing all the slave labor and everything and then their costumes start smoking. Oh yeah, because, I remember that. Because the, and it was just, it was so subtle, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" And then all of a sudden, the zombies are like, "Huh?" And like they they start and that was fucking brilliantly done, so well, and it's such a simple thing. You know, you'd think it's it, it was like obviously they, they would do that, but the way they pulled it off was just so. And that one caught my. It was like it was brilliant little attentions to de- attention to details like that that I think put Hammer where it is and why it is so revolution, why it was so revolutionary at the time and why it's so inspirational today is because they thought essentially very, very smart filmmakers thinking of everything they needed to cover. They didn't leave things to chance. They covered all their bases. They planned extremely well and very meticulously. And that's why we get these phenomenal moments that don't seem like they were shot at the last second or like shoved in because we had nothing better or whatever. So like, like spare no expense. 
everything was covered the way it should be covered and well planned out, which is, I think, if you haven't seen Plague of the Zombies, if you didn't get an opportunity to see it uh, before we talked about it, this movie is fucking great. Classic Hammer. Obviously, it's not Christopher Lee. It's not, you know, Peter Cushing, any of the big legendary ones. But this one just goes to show how fucking amazing Hammer Horror was. You know, they the, those cats had their shit uh, on lock and, and, how to shoot a, and how to shoot a movie. I really thoroughly enjoyed this one. I, I really did. And to go on to Raven Darkstar's point. So in terms of zombie films, where do zombies come from is very, very specific. When you have somebody who's using voodoo magic and it becomes more kind of like a revenge piece or a, it's something that has like a specific goal that is different than when you actually would contribute a zombie. The zombies just come. It's just a disease that comes out and is taking over the world. That's why Night of Living Dead will always be the first true zombie film. You have, I will definitely consider this a proto-zombie, just like Carnival of Souls is a proto-zombie film. They act kind of act like zombies, but there's still kind of souls in here and there um, with it. But in Night of the Living Dead, they're just there. And it never goes into where they come from. And you will see that's a major trope as it continues on all the Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead, all this other kind of stuff, where it's just this uncontrollable event that happens that takes over versus something where it, like someone created them specifically one person created them to do their one bidding that's a that's a different right. type essentially that's what that's what the uh that's what the squire is doing in this what he's he's basically he's the bokur and he is he is taking people in the local village because it's a very tiny village that he can control because he's the controlling entity there he can control the police he pretty much acts as the judge and the constable you know it's pretty he's got everything unlocked and he's using the town in order to slowly kill people and basically take people's blood, bind them to them through ritual black magic. And then when they die and because they slowly like, you know, they slowly fade away. And when they wind up getting killed, he can then resurrect them back up into his service as a slave is what he's doing. So that's what the idea of the original voodoo zombie was, was basically taking someone's soul and then binding it to you so that they have to do your bidding, which is what essentially the zombies are doing in this. They're not walking around going, Oh, brains. They're not doing that. Not like Romero's ghouls. Which is what they were doing. They have the eater, the, the things that ate that ate human flesh or ate human brains and shit. Um, but yeah, it was they're, they're magic. They're magic, you know, slave yeah. zombies. But ma magic zombies. Then you've got like you know your viral zombies, your chemical zombies, your you know your your space bug zombies, space spore zombies, or whatever. But there's so many different ways you can play it. But I like this. It was there was enough realistic stuff, and I love how Hammer does it. They blend what we know or what we knew at the time scientifically speaking with the fantastical event and they allow those two those two fields to play into one another and they always do it so seamlessly you know they bring the scientific and the uh the empirical and play in the realm of the supernatural and allow these two things they show that these two fields are not mutually exclusive that you can blend them together and all you need is an open mind to allow them to do it which i think is just fun you know i think it's it, that's why it they're is. so much fun these movies are so much fucking fun that's why i love hammer horror so much it is. It's, I mean, it's it. There is. It's a. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I. Actually, and plus, I, the the main guy. The main guy is just your quintessential British hero. I fucking loved <laughs> him. in that. It's just like that. That excellent. Just like everything about it was phenomenal. It's like it's like I am what needs to be at the time that needs to be it. And so I, whatever you need to do, I'm, I will do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but so I actually I want to ask the audience. 
who is your favorite classic British hero? Mm. Who is your favorite classic British hero? So many good ones. Classic British hero, man. And I'm going to go with the heroes themselves. You know, uh, I was saying... Now we know where JL gets his idea for Ghost Powder. Aha, very funny. Very cute. Doctor Who Designs is Doctor Who. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Boudica. <laughs> Boudica. <laughs> I, I, I have a, uh, I like uh, Quatermass very much. I also am a big fan of, obviously, Sherlock Holmes. Um, God, there's a bunch there. So many. Uh, oh, Vincent Sarkast is Vincent Price. End of discussion. <laughs> the, Scarlet Pimpernel, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Very nice. So many good ones. Definitely let us know down in the comments below or weekendhorror at gmail.com. Love to hear what everybody uh, takes on that one because I think in this movie, in The Plague of the Zombies, I think that quintessential like British hero, the stiff upper lip, uh, doing what needs to be done, what needs to be done. I love that moment when they, their grave, they're opening the grave and they haven't opened up the coffin yet and then the, 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 the bobbies uh, come upon them and they're all like, what are you doing, lads? Oh, goodness. Well, as you can see, we're digging up this body. It's like, you know you that's against the law, right? Yes, we know it's against the law. It's like, well, how about you come on out of there? It was like, well, since we're already busted, there's no harm in looking. <laughs> and then he rips open the game. It's like, we made it this way. far. I love that dude. He's just kind of like, well, since we're already since we're already busted. Ah, oh, the plot thickens. And I love I fucking love moments like that. It's great. Oh, dude. Oh. Hey, wait, I'm I'm surprised no one mentioned Christopher Lee. Oh, Christopher Lee, uh, he was. I mean, just he as was, a person. He was the quintessential uh, British hero. Or James yes. Bond. Somebody did James, James Bond. Bond yeah. so. All right. So, got one more film we're going to talk about. And this one is fucking amazing. Uh, Eugene, I hope you got a chance to watch this one. I got a chance. A, I got a chance to speed through it, so I do have a couple is, things to say about it. This is a fucking gem of a goddamn film. So, this last one we're going to talk about, I know we've run a little bit over, but thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um... Uh, Released January 13th, 1989. Perfect fucking time for a movie. For a movie. We have the movie, in, we have the slasher film Intruder. Yes, Joshua Lee, sir, Christopher Lee, my bad. We have sir, the film Intruder. Let's check out this trailer. <laughs> Fuck yes, that was the trailer for Intruder. So, Intruder, one second. Uh, directed by Scott, the legendary Scott Spiegel and written by Scott Spiegel and Lawrence Bender. And starring Dan Hicks, David Burns, Elizabeth Cox, and Renee Estevez, yes, of the Estevez family, as well as appearances by Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi, and fucking Bruce Campbell himself. Um, this movie is fucking is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So the film follows a uh, the night crew um, as they are going, you know, basically a night crew in a supermarket, and uh, slowly but surely, uh, a, a, an unidentified killer, or sadly, an identified killer, is picking them off one at a time until eventually, you know, it gets down to the to the final girl. Um, I, it's it, this is a, a, a by the numbers, you know, ba like ba basic straight up slasher. Is I'm a slasher of prices. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Dalton, yes, Timothy Dalton and Odd Fuzz. I'm a slasher, and you lock, you must lock me up. I'm a slasher of prices. Uh, but this movie was fucking fantastic. You've got brilliant, you've got brilliant kills. You've got a fantastic story, a great villain, some excellent practical effects. You know, like terrific. You know, drink that. That's because you think of the the thing that got me about this one was the pedigree that was behind this. You've got Scott Spiegel. Scott Spiegel is attached, is, is one of the names that came out of the, um, of the uh, fucking, oh, son of a bitch. I lost the goddamn name of it again. The Wiley E. Groves High School group, which was Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and that, that whole 
So yeah. Scott Spiegel, Scott Spiegel came out of that group. Like Wiley E. Groves High School has like put so many names in, you know, in, in horror. So he's from that group. Then you've also got, uh, he also wrote the thing along with Lawrence Bender, but then you've also got Sam Raimi and his brother Ted uh, behind this as well. Not to mention Bruce Campbell as well, doing some voice work and as the end of the cameo at the very end of the movie. And then you've got practical effect by none other than fucking, uh, um, Oh, so Greg Nick, uh, Greg Nicotero and uh, Alan and Alan Kirkman. So Nicotero and Kirkman uh, practical effects, which is why they look so good. Excellent acting and executive production uh, from the Raimi crew, and then Scott Spiegel there as well. It's like, and not to mention Dan Hicks. Dan Hicks as 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 the killer as Killer Bill. He was fucking amazing. So, and uh, it was a shame he passed away in 2020, which is a, a fucking bummer. But he was in Evil Dead 2. He was in Darkman, um, you know, a big supporter of uh, Raimi's films. But yeah, everything in this thing fires on all cylinders. I fucking loved it. Not to mention some great cinematography, you know, some great moments. That I, I, that will, I will admit the lighting in this movie is very well done. Um, it's definitely, it's a slasher film. It's a low budget slasher film that doesn't really feel like a lower budget slasher film, which is always the goal. Like, and the, yeah. it's shot, it shot well, and it looks like that the film had everything it needed budget wise to work. And uh, this is a thing. It is a paint by the numbers, uh, slasher film, but it hits on everything that you're supposed to hit. Here's an interesting premise. Oh, they're closing down the they're closing down the store. Oh, there's a killer locked in. The killer comes up with creative kills with a hydraulic press and oh, the, yes. The oh, and the fucking the 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 oh the I, saw the, the saw is like wow, that was the fucking yeah, gnarly. that was like, brutal as shit. <laughs> it, it, it hits it hits on everything that it needs to hit now. It may have came out just a little too late to really make it in that staple of icons because you had slashers were already in full steam in the early 80s, and this comes out in 89. So the full steam of slashers have already been out for several years. So I can understand how something like this kind of gets lost when people are kind of like, okay, now we're kind of looking for something new at this point. But it's something that is just fun. I think it's something you just kind of you can pop in if you want a slasher that's just kind of like, here's something that most people have never heard of. You're going to have some creative kills. You're going to have some great practical effects. Uh, I think the acting was serviceable, where it's just kind of like, okay, it got the point. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but it got the job done. But also, once again, in slashers, I'm not looking for Academy Award winning performances. You're just, right. you're just not really going to find yeah. them there. Elizabeth Cox, she she got across her final girl. I thought she did great as a final girl. There were some good solid, good, solid moments in there. Um, predominantly, this this one falls down to the practical effects, the uh, the the fun kills, and you know, what's going on. The one thing that and uh, and one thing I will say um, about the uh, one thing that was really really cool with the way how they shot this bad boy was that there was an, uh, a supermarket that was actually closing down and. Uh, completely completely empty and so they rented that thing out super super cheap for everybody and then the crew came in and they just i think it was i said the uh the crew had a company that specialized in damaged goods deliver defective merchandise and that's what they stocked the entire in the entire store with was with was just like so everything was just crap and bro and just you know did done with anyway and that's how you do that on the cheap is you find an empty place, you rent it out for cheap, and then you go in and you stock it with like broken stuff that's never going to get used and you get tossed away. And you, 
the production value was fantastic. I loved everything well, they brought to That's what you talk about utilizing your resources. Right. Like, that's exactly like instead of, hey, we're going to run out the grocery store for, I don't know, a month to shoot in. Here's one that's closing down. Oh, uh, they're not expecting to make any more than money off of it anyway. So anything kind of helps out whoever owns the property. We're going to get some defective stuff that we can just stock so we can destroy it, break it, throw blood all over it, do whatever we want with it. That right there is textbook of utilizing your resources and making your budget go where it needs to go. Because I guarantee you the money they saved there went towards practical effects, went towards cinematography, getting some people that know exactly what they're doing. So that's how it works all the way around. And I love, and one thing I, I dug is is how each kill is done as each person slowly gets, you know, taken out, however. And that those initial parts, because Ted Raimi is, and that's the one thing, the film is marketed as big because it had, you know, it was like Bruce Campbell is in it, Ted Raimi's in it, Sam Raimi's in it, when really at best they were supporting characters. You had Sam and Ted who were the, uh, basically the stock boys, and you had Bruce Campbell who does a cameo at the very, very end. So, I mean, really the movie hinges on Elizabeth Cox's performance and Bill H- and uh, and Dan Hicks's performance, who were fantastic. Renee Estevez is barely in. She's, you know, she sets up at the beginning, but really it's about those two. And I love those. It, the thing that uh, laugh out loud moments, which, which slashers are always great for, was when that very first kill, when the killer, you know, Renee Estevez's character, uh, when Linda meets the killer outside, it's like, ha! And then, like that, and then Ted Raimi slices the, the watermelon in half. Yeah. Like, split like a watermelon. Love that. And then that one moment when, you know, when uh, he gets into a fight with the ex-boyfriend out there in front and the boyfriend picks up his hammer and knocks him out. And he's like, ah! And he falls down and then drops a sack of potatoes out like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> little, little fun moments like that to give a visualization to the audience as to the kind of like, I guess, the onomatopoeia in that respect is or to give a visual onomatopoeia to the audience. It's like out like a sack of potatoes or split like a watermelon. She's like, I love little moments like that. And the uh, everything that the body find segment, I thought, honestly, the fucking um, the meat hook scene with Sam Raimi. Sam yeah. Raimi's like up and then hot. That was one of the, some of the best shit I've seen. And one thing I'll notice it another way you mentioned about saving money is that I noticed that they reused a lot of sequences or they would shoot a sequence long and then they would like cut and use them for later on because the sequence when he gets first like hooked on the meat hook and there's blood coming out of his mouth, it's all fresh, it's all running down like that. They, they actually shot that. You could tell they shot that sequence pretty long. They used the first section for the kill. And then later on during the body discovery sequence, they used those shots again. So they shot that all in one take, as you could tell, because the angles and how the, yeah, the, it's the, the, the freshness of the makeup, it was the same. But brilliant little stuff like that, because it works. It fits, because all you have to do is be like, okay, we're going to shoot this one way. We're going to shoot this scene, and we're going to shoot it in two in two angles. And the first angle we're going to use for the kill, but then we're going to extend it. We're going to use another angle, and we're going to shoot... Uh, we're going to use those for later on during the body discovery so we can cover it all up. One of the brilliant ways that they are able to, able to save money and, you know, yeah, not shooting uh, chronologically, but a lot of fun. This one is classic shit. And I thought that Dan Hicks gave his fucking all in this movie. He was great as the bad guy, great as the villain, even though, unfortunately, it was kind of spoiled because it's him revealed on all the marketing. If you see the poster for Intruder. It's him, like, ha-ha, it's Bill, it's, it's Bill. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, well, is that the killer? And then in the trailer, it's Bill. I'm just crazy about this store. <sighs> Obviously, it's him. So they kind of spoil who the killer is. Fortunately for me, I hadn't seen Intruder yet. 
So I, I didn't see the marketing here. Yeah. And, and, and so I didn't know. So, like, oh, okay. So it's Bill. Okay. That's cool. But then I said, oh, if I'd recognize it on the posters, yeah, Bill's all over it. Holy shit. They, they really tell everyone it's Bill. So, uh, but nonetheless, but nonetheless, it's, it's a fun, awesome early entry from, uh, from the Raimi crew from Scott Spiegel, who's fantastic. And uh, one of his early films, you know, it's based on a, uh, an, uh, based on an eight millimeter film called night crew that uh, he had done that he a little short that he had done that he finally got adapted into a feature film. So in that one, the, the killer was a, it was a, the killer was more of a Halloween themed killer instead of this one, but he was able to expand it out and do it in this one with uh help of the Raimi boys. Well, awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool shit. So if you get the opportunity to uh, definitely check out, uh, check out intruder, I believe it's on Tubi right now. Uh, but definitely check that shit out because this thing is an absolute fucking blast. You know, really, really good stuff. Plenty of awesome brew. What was your, what, what kill got you the most in this one? There's, I would probably have to say the hydraulic press. The hydraulic press? And because also on top of that, the hydraulic press is not like it's like the whole head. It's just like the top half of the head. And mm. it's just like a, and it's a slow, like all of a sudden like a pressure. And then Draw. it just, <laughs> and it keeps cutting back to it. It's like a yeah. starting crunch. Like, oh, okay, that's it. Oh no, we're still seeing it. Oh no, we're so. Oh now the body fell, blood shooting everywhere. So definitely, definitely that one. The um the 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 uh, the saw one, the table saw one was like like through the top of his head, like across yeah. his. Like, that one was that one got me. That was fucking gnarly. I was like, oh fuck, that would that would. I mean, the 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 press is one thing, but because it, it you know speaking that and uh, you know speaking anatomically, uh, speaking in terms of anatomy, the hydraulic press thing actually would be over quite quick because you, you wouldn't live that long throughout that sequence because the press would hit you and then the pressure it exerts in the back of your skull would actually sever your spinal column from your skull and you'd be gone. And so it actually wouldn't last that long. It would suck at first, be very scary, but it would kill you rather quick. But that table saw one, that that blade is, while sharp, is not strong. Okay, it's meant for cutting chicken. Chicken pieces, not a human skull. Okay. If you push too hard, you're going to break that blade and the thing is not going to function. You're going to be stuck with a blade sticking through your freaking head. Not to mention, you got to get pretty far in to get something seriously vital, you know, back here. Which is you got to go through all this first. That would, that would be, that would oh, suck that, that <laughs> balls, man. That was a, I mean, even the blade in the head, whack, you're gone. Yeah, okay. that's it. And then, you know, that's it. But, Oh, uh, the uh, the 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 receipt sticker in the eye that would also kind of suck. That would suck pretty. That because uh, that would that would take a while. That that would because as it's going through, I mean, it'll pop the eye and it's still not enough to kill you, and then it has to get into the brain. And it has to go far right. enough into the brain in the right area. Yeah, yeah. Because if it goes up like at an angle, you know, you may not. Because it not could get go them, at so. an angle and not kill you. Right. So, which obviously, which it didn't, which we saw it didn't until he yeah. missed the puppet. But then the puppet thing, which was <laughs> fucked up, I was like, "Help me, help me!" Ah, that shit was fucking brilliant. Cindy Sue says it would suck at first and be rather scary. Understatement of the new year. I'm thinking serious migraine. <laughs> Brave Dark Star JL and the physics of the kill. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's 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 not it's the it's you think about like how it would go down. How it would go down is you know, that, that table saw one, that's, that's the fuck that the left hand Jedi says when the air hits your brain, like a shot of cocaine, it's a slasher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the slow blade through, there goes the piano lessons. I can't remember my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I can't oh, yeah, the slow blade. Well, there goes the piano lessons. 
Ah, I can't remember my dad. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, but yeah, there was some fucking brutal ones in that one, but I fucking loved it. It was, this is just classic, uh, classic, you know, slasher stuff and check out Scott Spiegel stuff. Cause Scott Spiegel's a legendary director. So I mean, this goes all the way back to like the dead, uh, goes all the way back to, uh, um, the, uh, what was it? Um, we talked about it earlier in the show, uh, dead uh, fucking hell. That one that was shot in Akron, Ohio. Uh, oh, oh, son of a bitch. We just fucking talked about it. We swear we did. Uh, the dead next door goes back to J- oh, yeah. to JK Bookwalter stuff. Cause JK, JK Bookwalter is part of that. Scott Spiegel was involved in that crew as well. He was also in that movie as one of the, as well, I think one of the zombies. So these guys all work together. There's a brilliant little crew of people that all work together. So you gotta love it and love what they did in this one. Do you want to do the CTA or do you want me to do it? Oh, you were the one to introduce the film. Oh, did I? Did I do? Yeah. Oh, fuck, man, shit. I, I guess I'm getting tired. The zombies. <laughs> guess, yeah, that's true. I guess I'm getting tired. So the question I want to ask the audience, that's why I set it up for Scott Spiegel, is because Scott Spiegel is a fantastic, uh, fantastic director. And one second, and I got to make sure I pull up my deal because I actually closed my fucking notes there. Um, but of Scott Spiegel's filmography, what do y'all out there think is the best Scott Spiegel film? Because he's got a bunch of amazing ones. Um, it, whether he was, I would say the ones he's directed because he did Attack of the Helping Hand, he did The Blind Waiter, uh, he did Intruder, obviously, um, from Dust Till Dawn, uh, from, from Dust Till Dawn 2, My Name is Modesty, he directed Hostel Part 3, which we talked about earlier in this, uh, earlier in the season. So, but he's also been involved, he's executive produced a ton, he's done a lot of work with Sam Raimi, he did work on Evil Dead 2, he did work on The Dead Next Door, he did, uh, Dark Man, um, Quick and the Dead, a number of stuff. So, but let us know down in the comments below or weekendhorror.gmail.com what you think is the best Scott Spiegel film, the best entry in his filmography. Honestly, I think it's Intruder. I think Intruder is his best of all time. I think that uh, is. I like, mean, oh, in terms of in terms of directing wise, I have to go the same just because looking at his other filmography, it's like Dust Till Dawn 2, Hostel Park 3, uh, Hostel Part 3. <laughs> Hostel 3. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wow. They yeah, they missed the mark on that one if there was one. Um, so yeah, I'll just probably have to go intruder. Awesome, awesome. You know, uh, one of the clips we showed from 2001 Maniacs with Robert Englund, one of the clips we showed on the Terror Tube, he was a uh, Spiegel was an executive producer on that film. Oh, see, I didn't know that. <laughs> Little details <laughs> like that, fucking love it. Uh, Operation Free Rules says, I'm glad it's going a bit over today. I was sad when I realized I missed it. Uh, we're glad you're here, bud. And I know we've gone dang, we've gone over quite a bit, but you know. But it happens sometimes. That's what happens when Johnny comes along. When Johnny pops in out of nowhere, that's that's, that's all he wants to do. <laughs> that's what that's what happens. That's what happens. All right. So, given that, even though we've run over, it is that special time again. Eugene, what time is it? Is it is it that time? I mean, we could it, just go, just close out and just. But I, th- be I think like, they, I think been, they, they've been doing... waiting. It was almost half an hour over. I think I think it's I think it's that time. I think we do. I think they owe we owe it to them. Okay, they, okay yeah. It. So we'll give them the trivia time. <laughs> yes, it is oh, I let him play. My bad. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> trivia time. Tangle says, don't you dare. <laughs> so yes, it is trivia time. Of course, the first person in the live chat to get the correct answer to this trivia question will get a special item from the Weekend Horror Store, all the cool stuff that we have at Teespring. So, mystery item. So, it would be a random thing that you get out of there. Uh, it could be a t-shirt, could be a sticker, could be something cool, like a hoodie or maybe even a puzzle of our limited edition artwork. 
So, uh, Eugene, when you're ready, give them, the, I've got the live chat pulled up. So give them their trivia question for the week. So the question is, what was the first ever Hammer Horror film? What was the first ever Hammer Horror film? The first one, the comment in the live chat wins. This is actually an interesting one because I actually learned a lot about hammer about hammer horror they the how hammer horror developed and became something and their their back and their their filmography and what they were doing be, and what they before what they considered their horror experiment they that that's what they was considered like the horror ex, let's experiment in this genre and this was their very first film that they put out in that in that genre uh no it wasn't the curse of frank wasn't terrence fisher's the curse of frankenstein wasn't curse of frankenstein it wasn't nope not curse of frankenstein see i see remember it's never going to be that easy. You got to go back into the filmography. You got to. Because their very first foray, which they considered their first experiment into the horror genre. The very first one. So we got a couple other mystery. coming in. The, the public, public life of Henry the Ninth. Nope. No. And it wasn't the Mary, it wasn't the mystery of the Mary Celeste either. Wasn't the curse of Frankenstein, Zatkins. I know you there. I I know it. Come on, you got to look into that. Got to look into that filmography. Finally, a tough one. I was tired of them getting answered like the first two seconds. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, not the Phantom Ship. Not Phantom Ship. You're not looking hard enough. Come on, bingo. There Tony it is. Regime has got it. Yes. Let me make sure. Let me double check because those came in really fast. So I've got I this Tony on. Regime also. All messages. I've got Tony Regime with Quatermass. Yes, you are correct, Tony Regime. Congratulations. It was the Quatermass experiment. That was their very, very first foray into horror films. And it was a sci-fi horror film. So the Quatermass experiment, 1955, was their very, very first horror film. And then with the success of that one is what essentially launched what we know as Hammer Horror today. Because those films were so well done and so well acted and well produced that legendary names wanted to be a part of them because it was something new. So congratulations, Tony Regime. You are correct. Let me get your name down. Tony Regime got that with the Quatermass Experiment. Well done. Is he Tang Whistle was right behind him. Quatermass Experiment. Yep. Sherry Tilly as well. Quatermass Experiment. Yeah, so I saw a lot. I knew people were going to think it was like the public life of Henry the Ninth, or it was going to be uh, Mystery of Mary Celeste or the Curse of Frankenstein 57. So, but yep, Tony Regime, yeah, Tony Regime got it. Google says Curse of Frankenstein. Google, remember, Google is not always right. That's the key. That's the kicker. When I found that the Quatermass experiment, because I, I always try to double check, when I first looked it up, it was like, what was the very first horror film that they did? And that came up. And I was like, well, hang on a sec. I, I could have sworn that they were around before. You know, they were doing stuff before 57. Sure as shit, 1955, they did the Quatermass experiment. So that's the kicker right there. And I love this because Hammer, that film kind of went through a number of iterations before it became Hammer. And what they did was they always they would buy a house in, in like, uh, like rural England, in semi-rural England, and they would shoot everything at that property. So they would buy like a large estate with a lot of land around it, which is why those productions look like both the way they do, because they had control of the entire property. Uh. And so they turned the entire property into a production facility. And then whenever they, they would go through like five or six movies, and then they would move to a new location. And so, Sorry. 
And so they they shot it one, and then they they shot it they shot a first series at one, and they moved and they shot another series at one, and then they moved to uh, the Dover, and they the Dover is where they began their horror experiment where they did the quarter mass experiment, and the Dover became known as the House of Hammer, and therefore Hammer House. Ah, uh, see, nice, brilliant <laughs> shit. So. Yeah, I, I fucking loved it. Yeah, so uh, congratulations, Tony Regime. We will get that printed out to you ASAP. Well fucking done. Man, oh man, this we went a little long. We have about two and a half hours, but we got through it. Now, we appreciate everybody being here. And that Horror Fiends is going to conclude this episode of the Week in Horror Podcast. All right. Thank you all so very, very much for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, smash that like and subscribe button. And be sure to hit the bell so you never miss a future episode. We need, like... 13 or 14 away from 1,000 subs. We're very, very close. Maybe 12, but not 100. I haven't looked at it, but uh, we're very, very close. So, you know, help us out. Hit that subscribe button. Join us next week when we look back at the 70s adaptation of Lovecraft's The Dunwich Horror, the ultra-creepy Night of the Scarecrow, the 80s monster classic Ghoulies, and the atmospheric supernatural horror Mama. Be sure to check out Josh Olson's store at BadSamurai.store. He does all the awesome artwork you see splattered all over our merchandise, which you can find over at Teespring. For more from Week in Horror, check out all the bloody links that are down in the description. Follow us at the socials for the daily splatter, your daily horror recommendation. Join us our join our Discord for watch parties, big announcements. Apparently, I'm about to get some big announcements myself and all kinds of horror shenanigans. Support the show through channel memberships here for 99 cents a month, $1 a month. Super Chats, PayPal, or even our Patreon for as little as a buck. One dollar! One dollar a month and you can help us make the show. What are you waiting for? Fucking join us! As always, thank each and every single one of you for the, being the greatest audience a horror film podcast could possibly have. We're going to have an awesome 2024. We will see you all. Uh, I am JL. And I'm Eugene. We're going to see you all next week. And as always, stay scared. Ha <laughs> ha!